Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. And 15.30. This is the Tony and Mo Football Show, live from Twin Peaks in Westchester. Brought to you in part by Encore Technologies. Visit Encore.tech. Penn Station East Coast Subs. Penn Station. It's all in good taste. Honda East and Honda East Power Equipment Dealer. Nixco Plumbing. Choose a pro. Choose Nixco. First State Bank. Built on Belief. And by Ralph's American Grill in Wilmington, Ohio. Visit Ralph'sGrill.com. This is Cincinnati's ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. Good afternoon, five minutes after three o'clock, ESPN 1530. I'm Mo Egger with uh, Tony Pike. We're broadcasting today from Twin Peaks in Westchester. It's the Tony and Mo football show. Hope everybody's 2024 is off to a great start. Hope everybody had a happy and safe New Year's weekend beyond what happened in Kansas City with the Bengals. Uh, let's start with sort of the, the Tony and Mo football show calendar. We're here at Twin Peaks in Westchester. This is our last show at this location for the season. We will be back in Florence for the season finale on Monday, the day after the Bengals play the uh, Cleveland Browns in the uh, last game of the season. We'll worry about that later. For now, here's the deal, okay? There's a very good chance if you are working today, you're like, dude, what am I doing? Yeah. It's Need tough to get time. back into the swing of it. It is. And, like, our office today, tumbleweeds. Yeah. Was today weird. a company holiday? I thought, like, people <laughs> come back today. No. No, everyone was out today Nobody well. there. So, Which uh, I was like, oh, they're just coming in late, and then they're going to go to Westchester. And maybe they do. Okay. We will see. I did have two coworkers today tell me they will be in Florence. Oh, okay. One, I believe, the other, the other, I'm not so sure. Yeah. She told me to remind her. Okay, yeah. Uh, so anyway, it, it, we were here at the Twin Peaks in Westchester. Awesome place to hang out. I just got my flatbread. You had your meatball skillet. Meatballs have been good to me. <clears throat> meatballs have been good to you. That flatbread <clears throat> is, is intriguing. Flatbread was influenced by your family. That's right. I got that a few weeks ago. Table. Since then, I haven't uh, stopped eating them. Tons of TVs, cold beer, great staff. We love coming out here. Fireplace. And you might need it today because it's, it's cold. cold out there. Uh, and a lot to discuss between now and uh, 6 o'clock. I feel like it's well, you weren't with me last week, so it, I feel like I haven't seen you in a while. Yeah. Shout out to James Rapine <clears throat> for filling in. He did a nice job. Shout out to James Rapine for coming up short in the fantasy football championship against Ooh. me as well. He had two losses on the season. Both. Both to you? To my squad. Yeah. Strawberry Ice Pike. <laughs> winner of the Fantasy Football League. <laughs> well, you were a winner. <clears throat> the Bengals on Sunday night were not. And the, the, we'll, I want to spend the first hour kind of talking about and dissecting the game, and then we'll look at some other issues, and we'll talk about everything that happened week 17 and do the college football playoff. You and Austin have talked about this extensively, and here would be – my my one wish about Sunday night, it would be to go back in time and replay the game from the fourth and one when they're up 17-13 yeah. forward. Now, you and I were talking about this off air. I would have taken the points. Mm-hmm. I don't have a huge issue with them going for it. If you're going to ask, 
Zach Taylor to coach aggressively, you have to live with some of those aggressive decisions. My problem is it feels like on fourth and one, the only play they have is an up-the-middle handoff to Joe Mixon. From under center. Mm-hmm. Against, I put a still shot up on, on my Twitter, Tony underscore Pike 15. They, in that, on that play, Kansas City had ten players in the box. They have five guys <laughs> between uh, Volson, Karras, and Kappa. Mm-hmm. Five guys. Yeah. So the other guys for the Bengals aren't even blocking on the play <laughs> because you're asking three to block five. And then on the outside, one-on-one, five yards off coverage, outside leverage on Jamar Chase. Can't throw a slant? Yeah. Like, I know you tweeted after the game, Jamar Chase, very vocal, loved it. Mm-hmm. Passion on the field, loved it. Mm-hmm. That's the guy I want to get more touches to. Yes. Not go away from him. Yes. And in the biggest moment, you don't go to him when he's and, – and, again, like, if they're bracketing, if they're double coverage, you got to run the ball. Right. It was one-on-one as clear as day. And the fourth quarter the, – the fourth down to me, to that point, your defense just forced a three and out to start the half. Mm-hmm. The Kansas City offense had been brutal for much of the day. I don't mind saying, okay, let's make him go 94 yards. Mm-hmm. I'm just not going to turn around and hand the ball from under center up the middle – into, into five guys. Let me ask you. <clears throat> so it's Jake Browning against that look. If that's Joe Burrow, does a more experienced quarterback check out of that? Probably, but it looked like if you go back and watch that Jake Browning did check the play. Okay. So I'm, I'm worried that he check into that mm-hmm. because that's as clear as a cover zero look that you'll get in, in the NFL. They were not hiding anything. Right. They were lined up to, to stop a run coming up the middle, and they did – and, and I, was, I was with you to a point like, take the points, I would have been fine. Yeah. Going forward, I'm like, all right, I get this. I yeah. can rally around this. Yes. But then as the play unfolded and he turns around, I'm like, holy cow, he's really just going to hand this off. And the defender was already in Joe Mixon's lap. <laughs> it was just awful, awful play design on a huge play. If, if, that, if that play goes different, they score mm-hmm. and then take that lead. It changes the ability of Harrison Butker just to kick field goals the rest of the game. Yeah. They actually have to to, to go and, and, and move the ball and get touchdowns instead of field goals. And uh, it, it opened up the door and, from my opinion, completely changed the momentum and feel, even yeah. though the Bengals were still winning. Right. Yeah, 100%. I think at that point, every single one of us started to feel like, as well as they had played to that point, we know how this is going to end. And, again, if it's me – I'm taking the points. I'm taking the points because I don't trust Kansas City's offense. They had shown no reason why you should trust them. They they haven't been good all season long. And, look, they hit on some big plays. Isaiah Pacheco had a big game. Mm-hmm. Uh, credit them for all of that. But I would have taken the points there. Let's go up seven. I'm basically ensuring that at the worst I'm going to play tied going into the fourth quarter on the road against the team that you could you could feel it. You could feel them. You know, starting Man. to shrivel maybe a little bit. At the same time, if you're going to ask for aggressive coaching, yeah. fine, you understand. And if you deliver a knockout blow there, there's a pretty damn good chance we're talking about the Bengals winning the game and at least giving themselves a chance this weekend. O- over the course of the game, and you referenced what I tweeted, Jamar Chase calls out the Kansas City secondary. Yeah. No issue with that. Nope. Like it. I-, I-, I want these guys to be honest. Jamar Chase was honest. He's chirping back and forth with them. Scuffle. Okay. Fine. Whatever. That's part of the game. 
But if you're going to call out the secondary, understanding that Jamar was playing with a bum shoulder, mm-hmm. understanding that T. Higgins put himself back in the game and Zach Taylor had no idea, which is a different issue entirely. Oh, we'll get to that. But he's, he's gutting through a bad hamstring. I just, over the course of the afternoon, I kept yelling for them to throw the ball downfield. Yeah. If you're going to call out that secondary, you should at least challenge them occasionally, right? Give them chances to make plays. Like, I, I get early because it, the script was playing really well for the Bengals. Sure. Getting the ball out quick, running the ball. Most times Zach Taylor's ever ran in a first half as a head coach. Loved everything about the game plan, but at 17.17.7, they completely changed what they were doing. Mm-hmm. They never found their rhythm. Another game where we talk about zero production at halftime mm-hmm. for the Bengals, no halftime adjustments. At some point, when things just are mucky, can you not just say, we got to go to Jamar here? Yeah. How many times this year have we said, at a point in the game, you've eventually got to say, you know what, he needs a touch on this drive. Mm-hmm. They never did that, and it never allowed the Bengals or Jamar Chase to fully really get themselves in the game, it felt like. Yeah. Even at 17-7, it was like, all right, they kind of loosely put this together. What a great drive, almost nine minutes to open up the game. They come back with an 11-play drive. Everything's working great. And from halftime on, it just felt like there was no real effort to go to the best player on the field. Right. And that's Jamar Chase. Yeah. In a game that you had to win. Yeah. I can live live with losing that game if I'm going down by throwing to my best guy. And then it it compounded itself because then Jake Browning had taken so many hits and the line was struggling that then late in the game he's missing guys open downfield. Right. But his eyes are no longer downfield. He's worried about what's going on in front of him. So the time to do it is not down eight, fourth quarter, you got to throw. It is when you still got the lead in the third quarter or one of those crucial drives where the Bengals got the ball back in the fourth where it was still a one-possession game mm-hmm. throughout the course of it. And, again, I, I wrote down to go down with only seven targets in a game where T. Higgins was out for much of the game to mm-hmm. Jamar Chase I thought is, is an injustice to, to this offense. Yeah. It, 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 after you call out the Kansas City yes. secondary, which, again – I'm fine with, but if you're going to do that, I need, I need you to challenge that group a little bit more than they did. And it's hard because that's you, you don't want the throw me the bleeping ball type of receivers all the time, but sometimes you want them to. But you know what? There's... Like sometimes I want, in, in that situation in the fourth quarter, yeah. you've got T. Higgins who's been in and out. You might have to have Jamar, if, if Burrow's not in, because I think Burrow would have that understanding. Sure. For Jamar to say, Zach, like, I need the ball. Throw me the bleeping ball if it comes from a place of selfishness because get my numbers is one thing. Throw me the bleeping ball because Try to win the game. I'm the best player in this offense Correct. and I want to win and I'm playing with a bum shoulder and let's go. That's something else entirely. Jamar Chase is a lot of things. Selfish is not one of them. If he came out publicly or privately and said, throw me the bleeping ball, I wouldn't take that as him being right. selfish. I would take that as him realizing his importance to the team. Correct. Plain hurt. In a must-win game. Yeah. And you target him seven times. And you don't really give him any chances down the field to make the plays that he's capable of making. Yeah. And then, again, on fourth and one, it's the, the discussion. There's two different discussions. There's take the points, don't take the points. I could see both sides of it. Don't have a huge issue, even if I prefer to take the points. 
But, man, fourth and one with that defensive look, you've got Jamar Chase, run a quick slant, get three yards, see if you can make a guy miss, and go from there. What they did bothered me then and bothers me almost three days later. Yeah, and it it bothered me more, and I know we'll get to it as the, the show goes on, it bothered me more hearing the quotes from Zach Taylor after the game about play calling mm-hmm. and how he's making the play calls. And it, it brought up a, a conversation that I had today, and we'll have it today, running an offense versus calling plays. Mm-hmm. As an offensive coordinator, there's a difference. Mm-hmm. And I don't see what Zach Taylor is doing as running an offense. All right, let's do that when we come back. It's uh, 16 minutes after 3 o'clock. We're here at uh, Twin Peaks in Westchester a couple of days after the Bengals uh, see their playoff hopes come to an end in Kansas City. Bengals v. Chiefs, again, with uh, so much riding on it, unfortunately, doesn't go the Bengals' way. We have a lot of ground to cover between now and 6. We're at Twin Peaks in Westchester on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. It is uh, 21 minutes after 3 o'clock, ESPN 1530. Tony and Mo Football Show broadcasting today from uh, Twin Peaks in Westchester till uh, 6 o'clock tonight. Uh, Bengals lose on uh, Sunday to the Kansas City Chiefs, 25-17. to they're at home, the Bengals are, on Sunday for the Battle of Ohio. Uh, and, and, and aiming for a winning record for the third straight year. And searching for that elusive first AFC North victory. So where do you stand on that? Like, AFC North win, end the season on a winning note, winning record, or extra draft capital, draft spot? I don't know. Jay Morrison pointed out today I don't know. that uh, in their last 41 finales, mm-hmm. the Bengals are 33-8. and eight. They're awesome. They've in finales, great. yeah, they're awesome in finales. We don't really ask <clears throat> much of the the audience, yeah, other than to come out and support us. Mm-hmm. I would like someone that listens. Uh, I challenge to explain to me what intentional grounding is. Oh man! So <clears throat> I was going to go there next, but I wanted you to elaborate yes. on something. Zach Taylor. So you said there's a difference between running an offense and calling plays. Mm-hmm. Elaborate on that for me. Well, if if you look at the offenses around the NFL that the, the coordinator is running an offense. I think of what the Dolphins do. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think of what the Ravens under Todd Munkin are doing. The, the, the 49ers, the Los Angeles Rams, who have found their identity. When, when you watch them play, it feels like every play has a rhyme and reason around it. Mm-hmm. It feels like even if a play doesn't work, that they learn from that and they come back to it and they find a way to, to have success with it. Mm-hmm. As opposed to calling an offense where – you get a lot of up and down. And I feel like that's with the Bengals. Like there are times where the scripted plays or there are situations during the game where this offense looks great and then it disappears. Mm-hmm. It feels more and more to me that Zach Taylor is just calling plays mm-hmm. instead of running an offense. Mm-hmm. Right? Like personnel, formations. That to me is an offense. And Ben Baby tweeted out the day after the game. And I think a lot of this got caught up because – you know, it's, it's New Year's Eve, and everything going on, so yeah. the game ends. You don't really listen to a lot of what the coach said. So after the game, talking about T. Higgins, he said, Zach did, I had put it in my mind that he was probably out one point in the game, and I look up, and he's getting the defensive pass interference call. <laughs> and it's like, okay, that's, that's weird. So they, they kind of go back into this question, and Zach Taylor said, quote, I'm calling plays, managing the game, I'm not asking who's in, who's out. Sometimes you're just calling plays, and if he's in, he's in. If he's not, someone else is in. How are you managing the game Correct. if you don't know who's playing in it? Shouldn't, shouldn't personnel 
directly dictate the plays that are being called is my question. Every offensive coordinator I've ever watched or been around, the play is dictated by who's on the field. Like, surely you're not running the same plays for Jamar Chase and T. Higgins as you are for Trent Irwin and, and Andre Yoshivas. Right. Or Tyler Boyd. So, to one, come out and say, I didn't even know T. Higgins was in there. Why'd you call that play? Well, isn't it, I mean, let me ask you this. Isn't it the job of somebody to communicate? Correct. They were headsets on the sideline for a reason, hey, right? T's back up. T's live. It's somebody, T's back in here. Somebody's responsibility, the wide receiver coach, the offensive coordinator, somebody to say, hey, Zach. Yeah. Fives in the game. That quote to me sounds more like, man, I, you know what? I got so much on my plate because I'm the head coach and the offensive coordinator. But to go back to I'm just calling the play and whoever's in is in, I've never heard an offensive coordinator describe it that way. So that, again, and, and it was actually it was Austin's dad, Phil, who called in today, and he said, can you explain <clears throat> the difference of calling plays versus running an offense? Because Buffalo dealt with this early in the year. Mm-hmm. Buffalo moved on. Their offense is – seem to click more now yeah. down the stretch, there is no rhyme or reason with a lot of this offense. It's, it's why we've had so many discussions from the start of the year till now, or really since he's been the play caller, of inconsistencies. You know, I, I, I didn't get to be on the show with you last week. I, we were texting back and forth. T.J. Watt's one of the best defenders in the game. Mm-hmm. And going into the Bengals game, he's meeting with the media, and the first name he brought up was Chase Brown. Mm-hmm. Chase Brown against the Chiefs had three carries and two catches. Yeah. Where, where is the usage? Where is the rhyme or reason? Where is an offense where you know what the team is doing, what personnel they're using? And, again, that goes to formations and motions. How can you call an offense if you don't know who's in? Chase Brown was on the field for 11 snaps. Unbelievable. I, I don't understand And, and two weeks ago you had the best defensive player arguably in the game saying that the, the top thing – that he saw was Chase Brown jumping well, off the screen. And then, like, also, if, if you're going to say we're not going to throw it downfield, okay, fine, let's let's use Chase Brown more in the screen game. Let's figure out ways to get him the ball He almost broke in a space. screen. Yeah. Broke three or four tackles. He was on the field for 15% of their offensive snaps, and it wasn't like we saw him dealing with an injury on the sideline. That doesn't yeah. make any sense to me either. Yeah, the, uh, the usage rate of players, the inability to find Jamar Chase targets – that, to me, goes back to the offensive coordinator. And, again, like, I, I don't think they had exhausted all three timeouts in the third quarter, right? Correct. So let's say you're on the sidelines. And we don't know, surely, what the play is called. But if you go back and watch the play from start to finish, Jake Browning is pointing to his helmet. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's making a, a call. He's making an adjustment. If you're Zach Taylor or you're Brian Callahan in the booth, do you know what you still have the ability to do as you're seeing that? Take a timeout. It's fourth and one. You're on the six-yard line. If you don't think you're in the right play, take a timeout. Manage the game. Don't just, well, I got so much on my plate because I'm calling plays and I'm doing all this other stuff. Then don't be the play caller. Yeah, look, I've never called, very a, simple. I've never called a play in my life, but the menu of options available to you expands if you know you have T. Higgins in the game. Correct. So how do you, how do you not know that? Correct. And on fourth and one... If you call two plays and you see the quarterback checking, you know what he's checking to. Right. Take a timeout. Right. Someone's got to be screaming like, no, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Take the timeout. And talk to him. Hey, if you get that look again, you just got to throw the slant to Jamar Chase. Can you help explain to me the intentional grounding call? One of the most infuriating calls I've ever watched. Baffling. 
in football. Baffling. One of the most infuriating mm-hmm. because I remember early in the game, you know, Mahomes double clutches and he loses the ball and he chased it thinking it was a fumble. Yeah. That ball didn't land anywhere close to anybody. Right. Nothing even thought of being called. I never even thought grounding was a possibility on the Browning play. No. Because he got hit, but... Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Necks Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Joe Mixon was four yards away from where the ball landed. Right. It, it's one of the most baffling calls you can't call it while a guy is being hit no and the amount of and and how late it was yeah i'm like who is signaling in this call i saw the cbs graphic of flag it never occurred to me it would be intentional no i was thinking maybe defensive holding something downfield or yeah like yeah it was and it was weird it was it was that run in the third quarter where it was like Illegal hands to the face. Right. Defensive holding. You're like, oh, come on. Right. On the same drive. Here mm-hmm. we go. Yeah. And that that intentional grounding, I've went back and watched it. I, I would love for someone to explain to me how that's called. Because in, in officiating, that's all you do, right? Yeah. You just get to explain. You get a slap on the wrist, and then you're back out the officiating the next game. Mm-hmm. Saw it in the Lions game as well. <laughs> you know, that, that staff, is they're right back out there on national TV this coming weekend. Right. But – you cost the Lions home field. You cost the Bengals a drive, which they needed to go down and score points. Fourth quarter drive and a must-win game. One of, yeah, I, I still, I cannot, I can't even, like, most times you can, like, find an avenue to it. Like, yeah. well, yeah. I, I can find zero avenue to that. Call. No, I, I watched it on yesterday morning. And, and just, okay, let me... Let, let me see what I missed here. Yeah. And I watched it four or five times, and I, I still don't know what I'm missing. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel better now that you're on the same page that I am. I had someone like, well, how much of a difference, blah, blah, blah. They still, it was incomplete, yes. But second and 10 compared to what it went to? Yeah, it went to, it went to second and 20. And then what happens? Defensive ends gets to pin their ears back. Right. You're one-dimensional. It is a nightmare scenario for the offense and the offensive line. And when you add the fourth and one and then the intentional grounding, it, it was just this kind of you, you just felt them losing their footing. And everything starts to compile. And uh, When the, the fourth and one, there's nobody who at that point felt like they're going to win that game. No. 
felt like the air. even well, which is why I said to you at the top, I'd love to go back and replay it and let's yep. hell let's let's take the points and see where yeah. the game goes from there because or let's throw the ball to Jamar Chase and see where the game goes from there. It does change Andy Reid's thinking instead of trotting Harrison Butker out there all those times. Yeah, you do have to go for it. At some point, they're going to have to go now, for it. You're exactly right. They did go for it once. <laughs> yes, they did. And our guy Jermaine Pratt, not only Pratt, Sam Hubbard. How, how does Mahomes carry you two yards? Because at that point, the fourth down, mm-hmm. you're essentially a first down away from being in field goal range. Mm-hmm. Jermaine Pratt, they, that's a serious conversation to have this offseason. Um, the, the defense as a whole, I know Paul Daner Jr. outlined a lot of the stats with the, the chunk plays. Mm-hmm. Man, it's just a, again, from, from, we mentioned this with, with Austin and Quick Hits today. We're talking about the same stuff with one week left in the season as we were early in the season. So the season ends. The offensive line at the end of the year was a problem. At the end of the Kansas City game was a problem. Now, over the course of the season, I think it played okay. But late in the game, got to have it, Jake Browning is under fire. We're still watching Joe Mixon and pass protection, wondering which running back is going to assume those responsibilities. And that, and to me, that, Mo, that's even more of a question of Chase Brown. Yeah. Mixon was awful and has been a bad pass protector. Since he started. But it doesn't always have to be the back just in there blocking. Right. You know what you can do? Just quickly chip and leak out to the flats. Yeah. Running backs make a living out of that in the National Football League. We had a, a punt return, a big punt return in Kansas City. Oh, Play a role again. Brad Robbins. Questions about the punting. Have you seen a punt? (laughs) Have you seen a team in the NFL that has more punts bounce? (laughs) No. (laughs) I mean, eventually opposing teams are going to be like, hey, move up 10 yards. Right. I've never seen more punts in the NFL bounce than when Brad Robbins is punting. It's as as much as things have changed, things are still the same. But then you add to it, the linebacker play this year compared to what it was last season – it dropped off. That was their first big move, re-signing Jermaine Pratt. Right. The play of the defensive line, like, are, are, are we sure Joseph Osai is going to be good? Are we sure Sam Hubbard is as good as we make him out to be? And you have this, this DJ Reader absence now. Uh-huh. He's coming off the same major injury twice. Right. yeah. You're probably not going to pay him. No. You've got a glaring void in the middle of that defense. Well, the internet told me the other night that Chris Jones is going to be a Bengal. Oh, okay. Because he hugged... Burrow after yeah, the game. The internet nice told to me, him. which, by the way, signed me up for Chris yeah, Jones, and I think it was cool that you know those guys were as classy as they were after after the game. Both toward Joe and to Jake, but on Sunday night, I just I saw a nonstop. Might as well just have the press conference now. Yeah, I <laughs> don't know what it's going to be. What, what numbers he going to wear in Cincinnati? Yeah, yes. All right, we got to get a break in twenty six away from uh, four o'clock. We're at uh, Twin Peaks in Westchester. It's the uh, Tony and Mo Football Show. A lot to get to between now and 6 on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. From 4 o'clock ESPN 1530, it's uh, the Tony and Mo football show here at Twin Peaks in Westchester. Uh, Bengals eliminated from uh, postseason contention. Um, you want to talk about the AFC North? Yeah. Step away from the Bengals and Chiefs for a few minutes? Well, you know, we're already in off-season mode, even though there's a week <laughs> left of the season, because we're already talking about basketball in the breaks. <laughs> this is a good basketball discussion. Yeah. It'll be we, a good month of January. We have lobbied for the Tony and Mo basketball I show. I would love that. That would be a blast. I would love Wanna that. Want to do it between four and six? Sure. <laughs> uh, that Baltimore team we saw on Sunday, oh, goodness, they're man. not losing anybody, right? Um, 
I, uh, early in the year, was waiting. Like, okay, how long does it take with a new coordinator to thing, for things to really look crisp? Yeah. I, I feel like Todd Munkin has a pretty good grasp mm-hmm. as to what they're doing. Isaiah Likely is almost like Mark Andrews 2.0, but more athletic. More athletic, yeah. Zay Flowers was you. You were on Zay Flowers from the moment he, they drafted him. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you your your uh, your your tip of the cap to that because Zay Flowers has panned out. As much as other people in the NFL get talked about, um, Roquan Smith should be right up there. Mm-hmm. He's unbelievable on defense. Mm-hmm. But I like it's the mentality they have. You know, when they played the 49ers, like we we're not going to change what we do. Yeah, we're we're going to be the same group. We're going to come out, and they've done it. Dobbins goes out early in the year. Mark Andrews has missed time. And it, I reminded of, of this weekend, any team in the NFL could have made a, an offer mm-hmm. for Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. No one made one good enough. Nope. No one made one. And he's now going to win MVP for the second time in his career. Mm-hmm. And it, it just they're, they're a machine right now. Yeah. Would not, would not want to see them at all. In that game, the Miami Dolphins lose Bradley Chubb. Down 40. Coaching malpractice. Yeah, as much as Mike McDaniel gets all the love. Everybody loves Mike McDaniel. He's funny, and he's got a gold watch, and he's yep. cool. And he's... Where's the pants that are short? Yeah. Well, Why is Bradley Chubb in the game? Coaching malpractice. If I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, Losing I my am mind. livid. They lost uh, uh, Howard as well at corner. Mm-hmm. You know who that means. Eli Apple. Eli Apple. Eesh. Come on down. So it's funny. Uh, I had on the Red Zone channel, and I'm like kind of doing some stuff before to go out to watch the Bengals game. And I heard the announcer say something to the effect of like, oh, you know what? They can start picking on Eli Apple. And I'm like, oh, no. oh I've heard oh, that no. before. Um, Ravens are a monster. Kevin Stefanski is going to win coach of the year. Has to. He has to. I We didn't, I've not been at a talk last week. Mm-hmm. What they did to the Jets without Amari Cooper, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, man. I mean, and that's like, look at the grand scheme of the AFC North, and I know we'll get to the Steelers as well. Um, Baltimore will be healthier going into next year than they are right now. Yeah. Cleveland will be much healthier. Mm-hmm. Both those teams are machines right now. Now, Cleveland, what do you do at quarterback yeah. in the offseason? But, man, that, the way they're playing and knowing – what they have top-end defensively, good luck. At the beginning of this season, we do the locks of the night NFL futures preview. Yeah. And we said just the free money is DeMar Hamlin yeah. is going to be the comeback player of the year. Mm-hmm. It should be Joe Flacco. Yep. He's been unreal. I mean, the DeMar Hamlin story is awesome. He's with us. Yep. He made the bills. He participated on the field this year. There does have to be a football element to the award. Mm-hmm. Joe Flacco should win it. Right now he's plus 110 at most books to win it. Joe Flacco should be the comeback player of the year. What he's done, like, I can't even, I can't put into words how impressive it is. Yeah. And what that team has done and what they've overcome. If, if one of those two were to win it all, which one would you prefer to see win it all? Baltimore. I, I think I would too. There's still that, that feeling around Cleveland that I just yeah. don't want to. We can still hold over their head that that franchise has never appeared in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But I do think they're the team that is best equipped to beat Baltimore. Yeah. I wouldn't want to see either one of them. Right? Would not want to see. I, I don't think Miami can. I, I got to ask this question today. AFC or NFC, would you rather have to see Cleveland or the Rams? 
The Rams are so bad on special teams that in a close playoff game, that's going to cost them. Mm-hmm. I can't really say that as much about the Browns. Yeah. Stafford's been so good, though, too. No question. They're off. I mean, it, no question. But I mean, yeah. they just brought back Mayer, the kicker that they cut earlier this yeah. year. Cleveland, I get a defensive game changer in Garrett. Well, their offense, we're suddenly. If it really feels those, like Njoku has been found. Yeah. Like this athletic, huge freak mm-hmm. of a player, and it took Joe Flacco coming in to be like, wait, and I the, can just throw, I can just dump it down to that guy. And the Flacco story, it's not like. It's not like Tom Brady, where Tom Brady was still an effective player last year, right. and then they brought him back after he had missed three months. Joe Flacco, it's been years since he was good. Yep. He should be the comeback player of the year. The, yeah. the, I'm thrilled that DeMar Hamlin made the Buffalo Bills, but there has to be a football aspect sure. to that award. Give me a better story from a comeback perspective than Joe Flacco. Do you want the other story? <laughs> Go ahead. For 17 straight years, <laughs> Mike Tomlin has not had a losing season. And shame on you and Mimo, because three weeks ago we said this was the year. We did. We doubted him. So here's the thing about that, right? Congratulations to Mike Tomlin on having a winning season. Yeah. Do you know what they would be right now had they not lost back-to-back home games to the Cardinals? Yep. And uh, Now the Cardinals are they're world beaters against good teams. Well, though. the coaching in the Philadelphia Arizona game. Yeah, if I'm an Eagles fan, you yeah. want to talk about malpractice? They lose consecutive home games to Arizona and New England because they played Mitch Trubisky. They're nine and three in games this year where Mitch Trubisky hasn't played. So does Tomlin get credit for having the winning season and making a push here with Mason Rudolph, or does he get blame for playing Trubisky instead of Rudolph when Pickett got hurt? Might have to get some blame. Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Right? Now with them, we talked about the other two. Pittsburgh, you know what they're going to be defensively. Mm -hmm. All of a sudden, Najee Harris, Jalen Warren look like a dangerous one-two punch. Yeah and they're actually utilizing George Pickens, Mm -hmm. if they figure out the quarterback position, I mean, wash, rinse, repeat for the AFC North again next year. It'll be equally as tough. It's unbelievable. With Joe Burrow hopefully playing 17 games. Correct. I mean, it's just, it's remarkable how good the North is. And, like, Jacksonville saw it firsthand, riding high, Mm -hmm. and then they went three straight against the AFC North and lost all of them. So you know what I do if I'm Pittsburgh? Go get Russell Wilson. Okay. Deshaun Watson's going to be the quarterback of the Browns next year. Oh, go get Joe Flacco. Go get Joe Flacco. That's a good point. Right? That's a good point. I don't have to trade for him. I've got to trade for Russell Wilson. Yeah. Unless they just flat out cut him. Man. Some shadiness going on in the NFL. I'm just. The um, Russell Wilson thing. Did you see the Patriots 
had their linemen inactive. Right. Could have made like $5 million. So the Russell Wilson thing, what do you make of that? The, the ugly nature of the business side of the NFL. Mm-hmm. I don't fault the team. I don't fault the player. I don't either. It's just what it is. Like everyone that doesn't really understand on a day-to-day or year-to-year basis, the NFL's a business. Right. It's not about buddy-buddy, hey, I'll mm-hmm. take care of you, you take care of me. You know, like NBA, we see it sometimes where it's like, hey, if a player gets this many points, they get this bonus. Yeah. And most of the time, coaches will like play him to get the bonus. Yeah. NFL, it's like, nah, if you're not helping us, I ain't Well, I ain't the doing thing that. is like, okay, they sat him because of finances. But players play because of finances yeah. all the time. But to come out and be like, if you don't do this, then you're not going to play is a weird – but that's – the NFL business. But it's transparent and direct. Correct. It happens all the time. You yeah. just don't get the transparency that you got. They with- just flat out told him, Russell, here's how it's going to work. Now, you might, if, you, if you're a Broncos fan, you might not like it and go, well, wait a minute, you, you potentially screwed up our year because. Yeah. But So they're sticking with Mullins, right? Stidham. Stidham. Yeah. If I'm Russell, I'd be like, hey, I'll throw you a mill. Mm-hmm. You go down injured in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Let, me, let me finish this bad boy out. Yeah. That's yeah. what I'm doing. Like, I know Stidham ain't making that much money. I'll be like, hey, you want a cool mill to start 2024? So Your hamstring's going to go out in the first quarter. I'm like you. I don't blame either side. Like, players play, like Deshaun Watson's going to play in Cleveland next year because of finances. Correct. He's going to play because of finances. So it makes sense there are going to be reasons why, financial reasons why a player wouldn't play. Also, players all the time say, if you don't redo my contract, I'm not going to show up for X. Yeah. Now, invariably, they show up to play games because they don't want to miss game checks. But they'll hold their availability over teams all the time. And I, I rarely have a problem with it, but then I can't have a problem with it when the team essentially does the exact same thing. So availability, if we spin this to the Bengals for mm-hmm. this week, T. Higgins play? Jamar Chase play? <sighs> I mean... You're, you're now not playing for anything. Jamar Chase was playing banged up. Yeah. And for him, he's probably like, well, that's only three catches you're going to miss out on anyway because you don't <laughs> throw it to me. And T. Higgins is probably like, well... Coach doesn't even know when I'm in the game, so what's it matter if I am there? Yeah. But it is interesting now, in a game where you know Cleveland's going to rest guys, uh-huh. wh- how do the Bengals approach I this week? I wouldn't play anybody of consequence. I wouldn't either. I wouldn't start Jake Browning. Mm. Oh, could you imagine, though? A.J. McCarron. Good. He comes out. He dominates the Browns. Awesome. And then we get to all offseason talk about, well, what about McCarron? Right. Maybe you move on from Browning. You get a high draft pick, and then here's A.J. McCarron. Then we can have that conversation. I'm not playing Jamar Chase in this game. No. And, you know, the T. Higgins discussion, obviously there, there are a lot of signs pointing, this to, pointing to this being his last game as a Bengal. If I'm T. Higgins, I'm not playing in this game. No. Nope. I, I, and he's, he's had sort of an uneven year, but I'm not playing in this game. I'm T. Higgins. I have a lot of I have a lot at stake here. No, no, no. I, if I'm the Bengals, I am protecting my most valuable assets. That starts with Jamar Chase. What's the point? Yeah. I, I mean, okay. You, well, it's, it'd be great well, to have more wins and losses. Most valuable asset should be utilized. Sure, in, in a game that moments. matters, and then we can have the discussion next year about like let's make sure that Jamar Chase leads the the country in in targets. Yeah, I mean, if, and if in touches. But at a starting point. Let's just make sure we know who's on the field every time you call a play. That would be – maybe that could be the drill. Like you could use this Sunday as the yeah. drill of let's make sure Zach knows who's in the game. And, again, one of the many ideas that you could help with as a director of common sense. For instance, on Sunday you could have been like, beep, Zach. That's you chiming in on the yeah. headset. Beep, mm-hmm. Zach, T's going back in. 
Yeah. Number five. That's all you need. Five is on the field. Not hey, I called that play and then I looked up and there's there's T. Higgins out Who there. Who needed more help? Zach on Sunday or what we saw last night between the coaching staffs of oh, both Texas gosh. and Washington? Oh. You know, it's hard for me to, to say because <laughs> there's a lot of things that I think Zach needs help with as an OC. But uh, what I watched at the end of that game, holy moly. <laughs> um, it made for good TV. Oh. It made for an exciting finish. Uh, Tommy Reese probably not having the best night or no, day either. No, A lot of questions with uh, pivotal play calling. Kalen DeBoer, I would have been in the headset. Knee, hey, knee, whoa, take knee, a, take, take a knee. knee, take a knee. Yep. And then Sarkeesian, it would have been, like, we could run three plays here. Let's not throw it into the flat. Yeah. Uh, Sark, take three at the end zone. Three uh, shots at the end zone. But, no, on, on Sunday, I'm not playing anybody of consequence. Yeah. Let's, let's see what Andre Yoshibosh can do getting 60 snaps. Mm-hmm. And some of the younger guys can do getting 60 Chase snaps. Brown. Would you give him some more reps? I would play Chase Brown. Yeah. I'd play Chase or Brown. Or would you protect his five touches a game <laughs> for next year? I would run Joe Mixon out there. He'd get 40 carries on Sunday. We're, we are. Or run you into the ground, big you boy. You mentioned this. We are going to have so many talking points for the offseason. Well, I'm glad you mentioned that because it's remarkable. I, I jotted that all down for the start of the 4 o'clock hour. All the different things. It's like we actually meet about this show, but we don't. That will be discussed over the uh, the coming months. I do want to discuss the officiating fiasco on Saturday night in Dallas mm. in the game between the Cowboys and Lions. Mm. More on the college football playoff. And uh, a lot to get to with uh, regards to the Bengals between now and 6. We're at the uh, Twin Peaks location in Westchester on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Light up the city. This is the Tony and Mo Football Show, live from Twin Peaks in Westchester. Brought to you in part by Encore Technologies. Visit Encore.tech. Penn Station East Coast Subs. Penn Station, it's all in good taste. Honda East and Honda East Power Equipment Dealer, Nixco Plumbing. Choose a pro, choose Nixco. First State Bank, built on belief. And by Ralph's American Grill in Wilmington, Ohio. Visit Ralph'sGrill.com. This is Cincinnati's ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. Good afternoon. I'm Mo Egger with Tony Pike. It's the Tony and Mo Football Show on ESPN 1530, the middle hour. We're broadcasting from Twin Peaks in Westchester. It's our last Westchester show of the 2023 mm. NFL season. Uh, we'll be back in uh, Florence for the season finale on Monday. But for today, if you're north of town, Come on. if you're not working... If uh, you're looking for uh, Don't turn a place. right off the light if it's red. If it's red, that's true. Yeah. Correct. It's no turn on red. But even if you wait, you get to that light, you wait, you'll be here in two minutes. Yep. Uh, the food is terrific. The, the staff here is awesome. Plenty of cold beer. Got some folks. We've got uh, Luke Combs tickets. Where, yes. Do we pick the winner of the Luke Combs tickets next week? Is that how that's going to happen? Then no. Because no? their headphones. she has headphones in. What are you listening to Don't even to know right what now? you just said. What are you... TikTok. She's listening to videos. I on- thought maybe she was listening on the iHeart app to see, make sure our audio was coming in clear. Could be. I have a, you know, on this date next year, what we're going to be doing, we're going to be celebrating that January 2nd, 2024 was the day that the Frankie Montas signing became official <laughs> and he led the Reds to a World Series berth. Okay. How about that? If the Reds win the World Series, Frankie Montas will most definitely have something to do with it. Can't him. wait. I, 
I'm sort of unmoved by that. Yeah. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't think it's bad, but but I don't. It's a one-year prove-it deal. I, I think there, for a lot of us, I, I think we, we've started to do this thing where it's like, if the Reds acquire somebody we've heard of, yeah, it, it, we make it Listen, have to be bigger than it is. The Reds won games last year with Luke Weaver, Ricky Carter. They did. <laughs> in the same they did. situation. They did. The... Uh, there's a lot of upside. There's also a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. He's not somebody who's had like this. He hasn't stacked great seasons. No, no he he's been in, in Oakland. One, pitched in one game last yeah. year. He's a fly ball pitcher. Mm. I don't. I, I I'm not against it, and I do think it's amazingly reflective of the starting pitching market, where yeah, a guy who basically didn't pitch last year gets 16 million bucks as part of a right. a prove it deal. But those things used to be like six million. Hey, I don't know. Prove that, it, and then we'll see where you. I at. don't know that they're dramatically better today than they were a week ago. We'll see, though. Yeah, we'll they've, see. They've they've added pitching. They have added pitching. We told them to add pitching. They've added pitching and some depth, and I can't be mad at that. Again, mm-hmm. I'm I'm not I'm not opposed to it. I just it it hasn't made me alter my expectations. Yeah. I think they're an 86 win team. I I said when we did our end of the year. What did show, you think before Montas? 83, 86. I think oh, so this didn't change anything. No, it didn't really move the meter for me all that much. Wins above replacement. Yeah. That's the baseball segment of our show. There you go. The baseball segment. Frankie Montas Day. Of the Tony and Mo football show. Let me ask you about some of these players who could be, or would be, I guess, if they weren't hurt, suiting up for the Bengals, potentially for the final time on Sunday. I asked you about T. Higgins two weeks ago. You still think the approach should be to tag and trade, correct? Yes. The, uh, the market... The franchise tag market's going to be ridiculous to pay a guy that much for mm-hmm. a season because of Jefferson and what the chase deals are going to ultimately look like. Uh, no, you, you can't. I don't think there's a scenario where you can bring Higgins back. And, you know, I think Higgins is a wide receiver one, but he has not shown the ability to get through a full season yet. Mm-hmm. And the availability for that money it just hasn't been, been there. If they let him go or if they trade him, will Zach Taylor know? Probably not, because it doesn't matter to Zach what the personnel looks like. What matters is Joe Burrow being able to create, mm-hmm. and uh, whoever's out there just running the same route concept. Tyler Boyd, Ooh. by the way, made a huge play on that fourth and eighteen. Yeah, seven years to the day that he made that iconic catch for the Buffalo Bills in that Bengals New Year's Eve win over the uh, Baltimore Ravens. If the you price, letting Tyler Boyd walk? If the price is right, I would bring him back on a cheap deal to be my third guy. Let me ask you this. Would you rather have Tyler Boyd or fill-in-the-blank first-round draft choice tight end? Oh, fill-in-the-blank first-round tight end. Okay. What about Irv Smith? Is he still on the team? I think he is still drawing paychecks on the I points. will move on from Irv Smith. You know, good attempt to really catch that lightning in the bottle back-to-back years. Because that's what it was, right? It was Hayden Hurst. Yeah. Let's just go find a similar mold. That's Irv Smith. And it just hasn't been. Andre Parada, who has been on my show, is, is a guy who's really well-versed in the, the salary cap, put something on Twitter yesterday to the effect of it's, it's time to stop talking about that position as plug-and-play. I'm, I'm dramatically paraphrasing Andre. I, I, I think we owe an apology to Hayden Hurst mm-hmm. and to C.J. Uzama. I think we have viewed tight end as this position that you could pretty much plug anybody in there, and with Joe Burrow throwing them nope. the ball, they're going to be productive. How about go get the best possible player? By the I way, mean, I would also say the same thing about safety yeah. because the Nick Scott experiment didn't work either. You know, you look at 
just an individual standpoint, because it's a name we talked about a lot, what Sam Laporta is for the, the Lions offense. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want a Sam Laporta on this Bengals team mm-hmm. around those weapons. 100%. Stop trying to, stop trying to, to buy low and go out and get a bona fide guy. You know one of the more remarkable things about this team? They're not going to go to the playoffs, and yet they've played 16 games and the same five starting offensive linemen have played all 16 games. They never dealt with a major injury on the O-line. They are dealing with Jonah Williams hitting free agency. What do you do there? Um, I'm not sprinting to bring Jonah back. If it's a price that makes sense with what else you have to get done, I'm good with it. I think Jonah's been pretty good at right tackle. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, are you willing to go out and be elite at that position? I don't think. I, I think at this point we know what Jonah is. I think he's a good player. Mm-hmm. I don't think he's going to be great. Can you find that elsewhere? And if not, then you try to work out a deal and say, okay, there is something to be said about five guys playing together all season and coming back together. We we talked about DJ Reader before. I'm not opposed to DJ being on the team. But if the solution for fixing the interior of the defensive line is bring him back and hope he stays healthy, yeah. when he's kind of had a hard time doing that, that doesn't work. No. you know, Austin brought it up today. Is there anything to kick the tire on with like trying to slide Hubbard down a little bit? Maybe. Because Hubbard's really good against the run, mm-hmm. but he's not had a bunch of wow plays. He's missed some plays. I don't think he's been productive as he was last year. Can he slide down at all and be effective? against the run or effective on third down because what Pacheco was able to do early in that game, yeah, I mean, you name it, they could do it. We, we all like Sam, and he has had a lot to do with their success. Yeah, great story. Great story. And, and he has had a lot to do with their success. But you watch the Bengals every single week, and there are these large stretches of time where you yeah. just go, where is he? And, and then Patrick Mahomes dragged him two yards on Sunday. Chidobe Awuzier. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. (gasps) No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah. Uh, Now... Not a great run, but I think coming off of an injury like he did, mm-hmm. being productive, not, I don't, I'd say as productive, but playing a lot, mm-hmm. I don't know if he's my one. I think yeah. he'd be a great two, yeah. but he's not my number one corner, not by a long shot. Okay. So I, I, I took us down the path now, of free agency. Can I ask about one other player? Sure. I, don't know, I, I think because the contract has something built in. Jermaine Pratt? Hmm. I don't know, man. He had as much of an impact on the, the Chiefs game as you and I did defensively. Yeah. 
We spent a lot of time this year talking about him. The first move they made in the offseason yeah. was Jermaine Pratt. Yeah. So I guess what I would want to know is at that position, what do you got that's better? Because that's probably not going to be one that they target early in the draft. Yeah. But I would agree. But... The, the play at that position, Logan's better than Jermaine, but relative to how both guys were in coverage in 22, both players I were disappointing like this Logan year. Logan has slowed since the start of the year. Feels like it. I mean, he was all over the field, it felt like, early in the season, and you just don't notice him as much. Yeah. You know, I... I there, there just... There, there were not a lot of major impact players. Let's like call it what guy. it is. They made, they made business decisions this offseason that didn't pan out. The move on mm-hmm. from both safeties did not pan out in a positive way. Mm-hmm. Bringing back Pratt the way they did did not pan out. Joe Mixon. Mixon has not panned out. Joseph Osai hasn't panned out. Irv Smith didn't pan. Irv out. Smith, like uh, that's a lot of misses, and again, reliant so much on what Joe Burrow just go be great. Mm-hmm. I think Mixon's a fascinating story. Like, have you seen enough of of Joe Mixon? Is Mixon back? Like, what do you try to do with Joe Mixon? What do you do with the running back situation? If you do lose T. Higgins, what's wide receiver look like? There are, there's a lot of questions. And as good as this team has drafted and as good as this team, from a free agent standpoint, has made some good moves forward. Yeah, but Orlando, like, but like, wait, but did you, the O-line perform as a top five paid offensive line? No. No, no. Right. Like, I, I think it's a very underwhelming season when you look at the money they spent in the offseason. But, but you, you also talk about how well they've drafted. So this is the offseason where you start to make decisions about the guys from the 21 class. Mm-hmm. Now, Jamar Chase, home run. Evan McPherson, home run. In between, here are the picks. Jackson Carmen, Joseph Osai, Cam Sample, Tyler Shelvin, Deontay Smith. Gone, 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 gone. You know, and then lower on the list, Trey Hill, Chris Evans. I, I mean, that 21 draft class. Now, Jamar's the headliner, and they got that right. Yeah. And Evan McPherson's been terrific. That class, which is supposed to be... The backbone of what's next. Yeah. You know, Paul, Paul Daner had me on his podcast today, and we talked about, to a degree, Sunday being the end of an era. Because this, if you look at next year's roster versus the one that went to the Super Bowl, it's going to look really dramatically different. Mm-hmm. Burrow will be there. Chase will be there. Other guys. But a lot of turnover. Well, now is the point where you wanted that 21 class to kind of be the, the core of the team. Right. Well, well Jackson Carmen had to scratch and claw to make the team this year. Not counting on him. Joseph Osai. Uh, been waiting three years for it to light bulb to come on with that guy. One, and then you, one you just QB go down hit. the list. One QB hit against the Chiefs. Right. Just the So yeah, they've drafted well if you look at a, a large period of time, but that class? A, a great wide receiver and a great kicker, those are really good. The rest of it? So fish. So if you're going into the offseason today, what position group is of biggest need? Because the, the way you and I just discussed it, you can name about four position groups right now. So that's why you know we talked about the number of things we're going to talk about this offseason. So mm-hmm. let's do it. We're, we're going to talk about the Bengals needing to get better at tight end. We're going to talk about them maybe having to replace their number two and number three wide receiver. Mm-hmm. We're going to talk about 
more turnover at running back. I think even if Joe Mixon's on this team this year, we're going to talk about more turnover at running back. We're going to discuss the interior of the defensive line. Yeah. We're going to discuss another, another edge rusher, how the linebacker play gets Safeties. better. What they do with Cheeto. Is DJ Turner the guy? Do they really go to battle with the two safeties they have right now, both of whom we like but don't love? Dax Hill was all right, I guess. Punter again. Like When we do like the whole offseason needs, there's all of that. Plus, getting Joe Burrow healthy. Mm. Is there a market for Jake Browning? If there is and you move on, who's the backup? Does Burrow start week one of training camp healthy? How do they keep him healthy? Does he play 17 games? How do they mesh what he does well with what they did well offensively with Jake? Possible coaching staff defections. Like, there's suddenly a really long list of really good and interesting things with this team. And you mentioned coaching staff. If they lose to the Browns, can you run it back with the same staff that went 0-6 in the AFC North? You also didn't mention punter. Punter? Holy yeah. moly. So, but if you don't win a game in the North, you just run it back next year with the same – like we, we could go from talking about, man, you're going to lose Lou Anarumo to a head coaching job yeah. to – and that defense was 32nd in the NFL in explosive plays. Mm-hmm. The worst in the NFL. Like, mm-hmm. that's a – that's a laundry list of questions. And the only answers you really have, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase. So I think, I think with Lou Anarumo, you're going to do the whole the Kansas City thing where you go, man, you know what? Two years ago they went young in the secondary, dealt with growing pains, mm-hmm. and now it's paid off. I think with Lou you're going to say, look, he took away his top two safeties. He had talked about this last year, like what life would look like without Bell and, and Bates. And you go, okay, with Lou, you've got a track record. Your defense, there was some turnover, but the younger guys are going to have to be better in 2023. Offensively, we're having the same conversation we have had for years. Yep. How do you make the offense function better with the quarterback and the personnel you have and the coach and the offensive coordinator being the same? Because it matters the personnel you have on the field. You have to know who the, the guys on the field That's are. That's a great start to the offseason. So, you know, it, like. Sounds like a whole offseason to me. It, it, the, yes. And it, and it, it yes. does highlight why we use the term so much this offseason past mm-hmm. of Super Bowl windows. Sure. Because you are going to lose more. Well, you know, what, what Dana and I talked about was that the three-year era closed on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the large era is the Burrow and Chase era. Sure. Right? That's not changing. That's good. That's always a good foundation to build on, but... Yeah, like, the, but the he, more you lose that, the more you lose the other foundation, the more you have to rely on out coaching, out scheming. Yeah, and those are have the to be there yet. Those have to be your constants. Correct. Like I know that constant exists in Pittsburgh and Baltimore. We right. make fun of the Tomlin mm-hmm. never having a losing season, and he has his warts on his resume. But those are foundational coaches around which you know everything can be built. By the way, the offensive line, like. All right, we talked about Jonah Williams, but as as a unit, okay, there's a lot of guys who are now crossing over into yep. slightly older, and the offensive line depth never got tested this year. Yeah, I almost guarantee you that won't be the case next season. Correct. They do have a fourth place schedule. Maybe they can rely well, on that. Okay, we're just going to hang our hat on that though. Yeah, they have a fourth place schedule, but they also have six games against the AFC North. Right. So let's. 
let's say they go three and three versus the division as opposed yeah. to at best one and five. Yeah. Playoff team. And they got a they got an away game in Carolina. You could get something thrown on you and, by the owner down there. <laughs> and, There's so many questions. And you know we haven't even talked about this. You can't start zero and two every year, right? Like so, then we're going to have the conversation of how does training camp get handled? How do you balance? How does it look different? How do you balance best maintaining your health as a unit mm-hmm. with actually winning a couple of games? Let's early. let's not put ourselves behind the eight. If 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 the idea every year is screw around in September and be one and three, that's going to end up disastrous more than it's going to end up with you correct having a chance to win the championship. Man, it's a sobering segment. But it doesn't all have to be sobering. No, but it just the the attention will turn to Duke Tobin, to Zach Taylor, to the ownership mm-hmm. of which moves are made, and if those moves are more successful than the moves that were made this last off season. Uh-huh. Because again, you could make arguments for all of them. Which ones panned out? Point to me the move that the Bengals made in the off season, whether it was to move on from a guy in Jesse Bates, who's the highest graded safety in football. Or the additions that you brought in, Irv Smith, that didn't pan out. Or you bring back Joe Mixon for a year. Yeah, I mean, I'll say this. I think Orlando Brown was a quality pickup. Mm-hmm. I think he was a quality pickup. Uh, I, I think there's promise with guys like DJ Turner. Sure. I think Miles Murphy showed some flashes later in the season. Chase, those, Chase Brown was a good pickup. It took him those, forever to use him. But those can't be, like... Hopeful, those are guys you have to rely on going into next season. Yeah, again, I... Because you can't go into next season like, man, you know what? I hope they get that, that bump from uh, Miles Murphy. I hope they get that bump from DJ Turner. I hope Chase Brown can take the next step. Those have to happen for this team to pick up where they need to. No, I mean, I'll just... I'll, I'll fling it back to that 2021 class, okay? So, Chase was great, or Chase is great. McPherson's great. Jackson Carmen's a fringe NFL player. Joseph Osai is a fringe NFL player. Cameron Sample is a a fringe NFL player. Tyler Shelvin, I don't believe, is even in the league. Deontay Smith is not in the league. That class as a whole, like that's supposed to be the backbone. That's supposed to be the unit that you go, okay, by the middle of the decade, that's that's your foundation. It's not there. Joseph Osai, you remember he sacked Brady in that preseason. That was neat. It was three years ago. Right. But he had that moment. Right. But it's, it's so underwhelming. I mean, it's, it's like the year you got Burrow. It's like, yeah, that was the pick you had to make. And Chase was the pick. I know there was the Chase versus Sewell dilemma, but Chase was the right pick. What have they got right much since then? Well, and that, again, so now your whiff's there, okay, in, mm-hmm. in 21. Now magnify. They're magnified, and you have to compensate for what you don't have by getting it right in free agency, which is now more difficult to do. Because of how much money you're paying Joe Burrow, et cetera. But the problem becomes is that for much of the season, we talked about this then of, well, you know what? Their young guys are playing so much now that by the end of the year, you'll get to find out they'll be more comfortable. We're still questioning the same things. Where Have you seen a major jump in progression in, in enough of those young players who all had to play early in the season? I haven't. Outside of the flashes of Chase Brown, you know, Cam Taylor-Britt's a good piece, but is there someone that you can hang your hat on and say, yep, that's a piece going forward? Or are a lot of them still, I just need to see more? Well, Cam Taylor-Britt's a good piece. That's a good player. Yes. He's cornerback one next year. The 22 class, you know, Tyson Anderson's a nice special teams player. Hopefully he's healthy. 
Cordell Volson. Mm. <laughs> right. If I can upgrade, I'm upgrading. You, you know, are would would if he if he hit free agency today, would teams be pushing each other Correct. out of the way to get Cordell Volson? Zach Carter. Mm. And Dax Hill. Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Eh. Yeah, like, like you're not moving on. See, but that was the player like early in the season. I'm like, man, Dax is going to be a monster, right? And now here we are, and it's like, eh. so fringe. But like we said often, you have to win while Burrow's in his rookie contract because because it, it becomes more difficult to spend big. Yeah. Once he starts getting paid, work. That's what we're moving into. Here we are. So the drafting has to be really good. The 21 draft, two good players. Yep. The 22 draft, jury is still out on a lot of those guys. Yeah. So, you know, people don't want to hear that. And, and, you know, having a healthy Joe Burrow maybe eliminates a lot of these discussions we're having. But you've got to figure out this offseason, how do we overcome some of those whiffs yeah. in the class that by now was supposed to make up the heart of the roster? And that's from a player standpoint. What about from a scheme standpoint? Mm-hmm. How do you overcome offensive schemes? How do you overcome on defense? Are we going to go into next year and say, you know what? Give up some explosives, but man, just force those red zone turnovers. You can't live like that. No. So you got to, what's your philosophy defensively? What's your philosophy offensively? A lot of questions from personnel, from coaching, from roster transactions to free agency that they're going to have to answer. And the, the sour part about it is, we're having to answer this on the heels of what was supposed to be the Super Bowl year. Right. National attention. Right. Bengals, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. Yeah. And now here we are, one week still left in the regular season. Yeah. Having to have these conversations. And, you know, I'll go back to two years ago when they walked off the field in Los Angeles. Yeah. And we said. Not well, as you, easy. You don't know when they're going to get back. Yep. And here we are wondering when are they going to get back. we got to get uh, to a break. It's 26. When are we going to be back? After, uh, in about four minutes, uh, 26 minutes after 4 o'clock. We're here at uh, Twin Peaks in Westchester. It's the uh, Tony and Mo Football Show on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Cincinnati's Ian. 28 away from uh, 5 o'clock ESPN 1530. We're broadcasting today from Twin Peaks in Westchester. It's the Tony and Mo Football Show. We are here. Until uh, 6 o'clock tonight, come on out and see us. Very easy to get to right off I-75. Get off at the Union Center Boulevard exit, and uh, you'll be here in minutes. Still ahead. Uh, More on uh, Bengals v. Chiefs. Looking ahead to the upcoming offseason. We'll talk about everything that went around and uh, went down in week 18. Not week 18, week 17 of the NFL. 
discuss the uh, Lions-Cowboys officiating mess from Saturday night and in the last hour spend some time on the college football playoff and uh, the need that I think a lot of people feel to save the bowl games, which I don't necessarily think has to happen. We have a lot of ground to cover between now and 6 on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Cincinnati. The Bengals battle the Browns. Coverage begins Sunday morning at 9 on ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. 22 away from uh, 5 o'clock, Tony and Mo football show, Twin Peaks in Westchester, ESPN 1530. Uh, we, are, we are in uh, Florence next week, Monday, after the uh, Bengals play the Browns. Um, what did you make of the uh, way the end of the Dallas oh, man. Detroit game on Saturday night played out. You know, it's one thing for officiating to be bad. When the officiating is bad and impacts your Super Bowl chances, mm-hmm. unbelievable. Like, at <clears throat> first, because we didn't have all the information, I was kind of like everybody else. I'm like, well, maybe he just didn't report. Right. It couldn't be any clearer that he's talking to the ref right. and reporting as eligible. And then the call came in so late. It was almost like the officials were confused and just decided, like, all right, let's go with it. (laughs) Like, no rhyme, no reason. And then, like, the part that I really disagree with is the NFL coming back and saying, well, got the call wrong. They're not going to officiate in the postseason. Okay, great. Okay, so you're acknowledging that they blew the call. Right. Now, Roger Goodell has the power to the outcome of a game. Now, had he come back and said, Lions win, Cowboys lose, then we're in a whole different... You are opening a can of worms. I mean, a can of worms that you never want to go down. Right. But I'm so tired, and and it's not like we haven't talked officiating for much of the year. The fact that we've talked about how bad officiating is and these things keep happening is incredible. Um, What we saw on Saturday... I just got whistled right there. (laughs) You start talking about officiating, you get whistled. What What we saw on Saturday, to me... Like, an officiating error is you make a bad judgment call. Mm-hmm. Or there's something subjective that another reasonable person could disagree with. This yeah. was basic communication. Yes. This was basic dry. human communication. Um, I don't. The thing about the officiating thing is I don't know how it gets fixed. The, the thing is it's not been like, like it's always, you could always have arguments for like holding. Sure. Could always have arguments for judgment calls, subjective. Yes, but it's been the out of norm calls this year, mm-hmm. like the offensive neutral zone infraction for the Chiefs, or defensive, or which, the defensive, which, which we lining up offsides correct, on, that we on saw, night. Yeah. or the intentional grounding, mm-hmm. where it's like, no, that's not intent. Like again, I could I could make a case every single play for pass interference or holding. Sure, when you choose to call it becomes an issue. But I always feel like it's a judgment call. Mm-hmm. The calls that have been missed are not judgment calls. Those are calls you can't miss. Yeah. And time and time again, they've been missed. I, I just don't understand how that continues to happen. It's not going to get any better. Right. It's not. Well, the it, problem is players are bigger. They're faster. Mm-hmm. They're stronger. The game is always evolving. And, and yet we have the same number of officials correct. that we had on the field in the 1970s. Correct. And they still don't. Like, I have been for years, if you make the players and the coaches sit up there and take questions, officials should have to as well. Agreed. At least then you get some type of closure afterward. Why'd you make the call? What were you seeing? Right. Not, hey, let's let them uh, huddle together 
let's let him come back and make a statement the next day. No, after the game, I want them to be held just as accountable as a quarterback yep. would have to be if he threw an interception right. or a coach for a bad call they made. I want the officials to be accountable. Agreed. Because at least if you came out and did that, you might not fix the officiating, but people would at least feel like, okay, there is accountability here. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're just going to – that staff won't be able to do the playoffs. You know, folks have okay. said, well, uh, make them full-time officials. Make them full-time employees. That's not going to work. No. Because if you said to me, okay, you have to – this side gig that you have, being an NFL official, it's now going to be your full-time job, which means, okay – is that going to pay more than the current profession I do full-time? Right. Also, what's my job security? What are the benefits? What am I yep. getting paid? Uh, how much leeway? How many mistakes will I be allowed to make? Like, that's that's not going to work. What did you make of Detroit still going for it? I didn't mind it. I didn't either. I didn't mind it. I want to win the game that's on offense. That's a coach that's ready to win. Yeah. I, and I think that I think that echoes through a, a locker room, too. Like, I think players rally around that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just... I don't understand how coaches don't lose their minds. Like, that's my thought. Sure. Like, how does Dan Campbell not lose his – and he was pissed. Mm-hmm. How does he not lose his – how does Zach Taylor – crumpled up the pool report. <laughs> how does Zach Taylor not lose his mind on that grounding? Yeah. Like, those are the calls that, as a coach, I'm like, I, don't, I just don't understand. So, I've always – But for Zach, it's just about calling the next play. I don't care what the call was. I don't yeah. care who's on the field. Just get to the next play call. So I've always felt like if you're going to tell coaches that immediately after a game they have to talk, that you should let them talk with no filter, which mm-hmm. means if they have an issue with an officiating problem, they should be given, no, you can't make it personal, and you don't want up there spewing profanity. I get all that. But I feel like you should be allowed, if you're going to ask these guys to speak in the, in the immediate aftermath of an emotional game, you should allow them to speak truthfully about how they feel yeah. about what happened in every aspect of the game, including the officiating. Right, because what happens? If they cross a line, they get fined. Right. No, take that out. Yeah, I, I agree. want, I want a realness in these post-game because I like what, what I remember, and I know it's not the same sport, but I remember growing up, I'm going to UC basketball games mm-hmm. with my grandpa and my aunt. What we wanted to do was get to the car as quick as possible <laughs> because we knew Huggins was just going to say how it was. Right. And it's like, man, I, I need to listen to that. I need to hear the thoughts. Nowadays, it gets watered down because the coaches are scared that if they say something, they're going to get penalized. Mm-hmm. And the players are like, eventually it boils up and players say something and then they get fined and you don't really hear about it again. But I want that genuineness at the end that, okay, I can go in and say whatever I want. Do you... You want to know my theory on 30 years of Bob Huggins and Mick Cronin post-game shows? What's that? I think it's had a bad impact on fans. Really? Yeah. Because for years, with both coaches, they would win, and then... Miserable. They'd be miserable. Yep. And so now fans have sort of taken on that. Many have. Many, yeah. many who are in my life where they win, but now you have to act like the coach did in the post-game interview and dwell on everything right. bad that happened. Yeah. I think those post-game shows, as good and as entertaining as they were, to they were entertaining. Degree, have had a negative impact on how fans wow. see the team. Okay. I, I, I notice it with friends of mine. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you know what? Nice, nice performance. Good performance. Well, Just win. Got out-rebounded. Yeah. Well, they won by 14, man. Uh, yeah. You know. Turnovers. I, exactly. <laughs> I, I, think, I think we now have a fan base of Bobs and Micks who, after the game, can't just enjoy it. Yep. Got to dwell that's, on every little tiny... That's the Bob Huggins and Mick Cronin effect. There you go. 
Shrobe shouted down about that. It's, Just uh, win. 14 minutes Winning away matters. from uh, 5 o'clock. He's Tony Pike. I'm Mo Egger. We're at uh, Twin Peaks in Westchester. It's the Tony and Mo Football Show on ESPN. 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. away from uh, 5 o'clock, we're just talking about flatbreads here at yeah. uh, Twin Peaks in Westchester. Flatbreads, pizza, food, drinks. You know, not to look ahead. One might argue more important than the football that we're yeah. going to talk about. Uh, not to look ahead much, but looking already for a place to watch the national championship next Monday. Oh, Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks. Yeah. Florence. Do you want to do the college football playoff stuff now? Whatever you want to do. Okay. I thought, or do we have a segment set aside for the blockbuster move the Knicks made? You know what? I've, <laughs> I have talked myself into the OG Ananobi era in I know. New York, which got off to a great start. 17? Beat the best team in the league the other night. Man. Unbelievable. He did foul out. Yeah, I mean, he'll be back. Uh, old-fashioned trade, good for both teams. Okay. Yeah. That's where you're at. One game I, in. I'm going to miss Emmanuel quickly, but he was just – Terrible in the postseason last year, and I was like R.J. Barrett, yeah. mostly out on him. Yeah, okay. But this sets the stage for the big move they're going to make because right. they still have all that draft capital. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They're better on the on def- on the defensive side of the floor. Good wing defender. He's one of the few players in the sport that can guard guard all five positions. Yep. He gives him a decent outside shooting threat. He can make him when he's open. Love I it. like the move. You're I'm welcome. Gonna, I'm going to go B plus. You're welcome for the Knicks fans. There you go. Uh, Bama, Michigan. Woo! Any issue with uh, Alabama's last offensive play? Uh, a lot of issue with it. Um, look, I do. I do think it was a run pass option, mm-hmm. and I think had the snap been normal, that Jalen Milrose throwing that ball because they have the defense out leverage. It's a walk in touchdown. Right. I think the low snap. I think he panicked, and they're even pulling a guard. So I think the run was supposed to be more of a counter to get up. They didn't block the end, so they're inviting the end to get upfield. I think the the low snap threw everything off, and he just thought, I'm just going to put my head down and hope for the best. <laughs> um, what a what a weird ending to a really good football game. You know, an uneventful ending mm-hmm. to what was a really good – I mean, it was sloppy. Yeah. Michigan couldn't have been any worse on special teams. Right. From the first punt they tried to field to the last. To the last one. Awful. <laughs> yeah. Alabama was elite on special teams, mm-hmm. but Michigan 
was able to never really leave what their game plan is. Physical up front. Right. Keep the running game. Even when they're down seven in the four-minute drill at the end, mm-hmm. Blake Corum was still a factor. I don't know what Michigan can be if they're down multiple touchdowns. Right. I don't think they're built to just go and throw the ball. Um, some incredible boneheaded plays, the block in the back on the last drive. Yeah. But then he comes back, and one of the weirdest plays you'll see, a ball gets tipped, <laughs> perfect spiral. He goes up and makes a play on it. Right. Michigan made the plays when they needed to. And I think for the first time since he's been the coach there, I can say that Alabama got easily outcoached in that game. I would agree. Uh, I watched Michael Penix last night. Oh, my God. Michael Penix got my first place Heisman vote. Yeah. But I, I watched him enough at Indiana that what I'm seeing from him now is, like, he's making first-rounder throws. The dimes he was dropping last night. I, I never in a million years would have imagined I would think or say that about Michael Penix. I don't think, like, you could just compile from last night's game the small window throws he made. Unbelievable. And make a full season of highlights for yeah. some guys. Yeah. He is, whether he's under pressure. I, I said last night, his accuracy is insane. His pocket movement's elite. Mm-hmm. Like, and not like tuck it and run pocket, but move, stay a passer, and be able to get the ball out that quick. And as accurately he does as he does, amazing in my opinion. Now, there is something to be said. His receiving core is better than the receiving core the Bengals played against on Sunday. Yes, without a doubt. I would like agree he has yeah. he has three legit NFL guys he throws to mm-hmm. that are better than some of the wide receiver rooms in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And that is a like to me that's the that's the national championship in a nutshell. Yeah, can Washington get up early? and change up who Michigan wants to be? Or does Michigan get to kind of impose their game style of run the ball, wear you down, that type of play? Mm-hmm. I think that's fascinating on both sides from a matchup standpoint. And I, th- I think a breath of fresh air for the college football playoff committee. I agree. Who got crushed. Yeah. Uh, now, Kirby Smart was dead on last week when he said they got to fix the bowl season. But how? I don't know how, how at do this point. How do you fix point. it? Um, I do think... Georgia or Oregon versus Michigan would have given them more fits than Bama did. Mm-hmm. But you got to win your conference championship. But, you know, everybody talks about, we'll fix the bowl system. First of all, how? You, yeah, you, I, can't, you can't legislate how much people care. Yeah, I, I, never, I never had a problem with guys going to the NFL that wanted to sit out the bowl. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, hey, I'm transferring, I'm not playing. Right. Or, as we saw in Cincinnati this year, I'm not even playing the finale. <laughs> I, I, I just think if it's, if it's not – and, I, I, again, I don't know what governing body controls it. Yeah. It's, it's a madhouse. Okay, there's a very simple solution then. Let the Bulls pay appearance fees yeah. and give large amounts of money to the players on the winning team. Correct. There you go. Correct. Fixed it. But, like, all these Bulls, do we need them fixed? I mean, we, I've said we've, it before, the Pop-Tart saved Bulls season. We've been, we've been trending toward we, – we, we've expanded the playoffs. We introduced the BCS in the late 90s. Now the college football playoff, it's going to be expanded to 12. If us getting what we wanted, which was a deeply expansive college football playoff, came at the expense of these Bulls that really never yeah. have meant anything, is that okay? I think it is. Yeah, like I, If those Bulls went away, right. would anybody really miss them that much? No, not no. in today's football. no. Uh, you look at if, the last bowl game UC played in. That was one of the worst games I've ever the Fenway watched. Bowl, yeah. if, if you said to me, Mo, you now get uh, playoff games on campus sites, which we get. We have more teams that have access to the playoff. We're going to have 
we're going to have four rounds of playoff games that matter. But you know what you have to trade in? Bo- other bowl games? Yeah. Fine. Great. Did awesome. You, Sign me up. Did you last night at any point have the same unfortunate flashback that I had when they threw a second back <laughs> on the clock the for Texas? The clock. There was a lot of that like, on Twitter. Man, that's night. just not. I didn't even get on Twitter because I'm like, I know where that's going to go. <laughs> But, yeah, that was – I was not expecting, like, the college football semifinal ricochet of, oh, they're going to put a second back on the clock for Texas again. Yeah, there were a lot of people, like, sending out the screen grab of yeah. Mac Brown yeah. holding out one finger, yeah. looking for the extra second. Yeah, that was awesome. All right, we'll jump back into the uh, Bengals v. Chiefs when we come back. We're here at uh, Twin Peaks in Westchester. Tony and Mo football show, ESPN 1530, Cincinnati Sports Station. Cincinnati's ESPN 1530. Traffic. From the UC Health Traffic Center, UC Health's Weight Loss Center offers long-term weight loss solutions that transforms lives. To learn more, call 513-939-2263. That's 939-2263. Watch for the following accidents. 562 westbound before 75. It's got the right lane block. You're stop and go from Route 42. 71 south between Taft Road and Redding Road. You're off the pace from Martin Luther King Drive. West 6th Street eastbound at 75. And the accident on 71 north at the Brent Spence Bridge has been cleared. You're stop and go from Dixie Highway. John Crawford with traffic. This report is... Bengals Battle of the Browns. Coverage begins Sunday morning at 9 on ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. This is the Tony and Mo Football Show, live from Twin Peaks in Westchester. Brought to you in part by Encore Technologies. Visit Encore.tech. Penn Station East Coast Subs. Penn Station, it's all in good taste. Honda East and Honda East Power Equipment Dealer, Nixco Plumbing. Choose a pro, choose Nixco. First State Bank, built on belief. And by Ralph's American Grill in Wilmington, Ohio. Visit ralphsgrill.com. This is Cincinnati's ESPN 1530, the official home of the Bengals. All right, 5 after 5, ESPN 1530, Mo with Tony Pike here at Twin Peaks in Westchester. It's the Tony and Mo football show on a Tuesday afternoon. Hope everybody is uh, off to a great start in 2024. Had a great New Year's weekend, minus the Bengals result on a Sunday night. This is our last appearance in Westchester for the 2023 season. We're in Florence on Monday to wrap up the year. Day after the Bengals take on the Cleveland Browns uh, for today. Get off uh, I-75 at the Union Center Boulevard exit. You could be here within seconds. Wow. Enjoy a cold one. Get something to eat. Try a flatbread. Man. Maybe a meatball skillet. Can't go wrong with either one of those. Hang out with us. Maybe Tony will let you sit next to him at the fire. It Who is, knows? I don't know if it was just a, the spot I'm in. It's a little breeze today. Yeah, but that fire feels good. Oh, yeah. That fire was on like in early September when we were here. Didn't yeah. love it now. Love it. It's perfect. It's a must. Uh, Bengals lose on Sunday to the Kansas City Chiefs by a score of 25-17. to 17. Do you have, for this season as a whole, which is mathematically and technically not over, but for all intents and purposes, the Bengals have played their uh, last meaningful game. Is there a large takeaway or lesson from this season for you? I, I feel like the biggest thing for me is we are leaving this season – with a lot of the same questions I had going into the season. Zach Taylor is a play caller. Uh, the young guys defensively stepping up and what the weapons offensively are going to evolve into. Can they protect Joe Burrow? Can they get after the passer? I feel like every question we had going into camp is a question we're still asking with one week left in the regular season. 
And regardless of who you root for, I think that's an alarming trend. Mm-hmm. You know, you want you want to at least hang your hat and say, okay, I at least know now what I have going forward. Mm-hmm. And outside of knowing Jake Browning's a really capable backup, what questions are you dead set on right now having answered? Yeah. I mean, we, we alluded in the last hour to essentially every position group making an argument as to what they have there. Mm-hmm. That coming out of the Super Bowl window season, there's a lot more questions than answers. And any time you end a season like that, I think that I think there's a problem with that. Right. We've walked away from this season with, I think, more uncertainty about what the team is going to look like going into the next phase right. of the Burrow era than I thought than we thought we were going to have when this season began. How would you? If you could just grade the season, what would you grade it as? You know, it's interesting you ask that because I was thinking about that yesterday. It's not a success. Right. Right? It's not. The, the, the standard here is to make the playoffs. The expectation is to make the playoffs. If the expectation is playoffs and the, the talk was the biggest Super Bowl window, yeah. if you fail to make the playoffs... It's not a success. But I also don't think it's as black and white as failure success because there was something beyond their control that happened that was the most impactful thing and that's yeah. that Joe Burrow got hurt. But I mean I, th- that's not an excuse, it's a reason. But I feel like the way the season started, the way the first few games were handled, uh-huh. the way they stumbled out of the block again. Mm-hmm. That just set a tone for the season. It never got underway. And it, a, and again, y- yeah. Here we are having the same questions about Zach Taylor is the offensive coordinator, and moves they made that didn't pan out. And do they have enough at this position? Do they have enough at that position? I mean, I'm, I, I would say like a C minus. Yeah, in that in range, sure. Like, it was a cool story for a couple of weeks. Yeah, what Jake Browning was doing and the the possibility of playoffs, and you know, you and I talked about the Minnesota game being the most fun you've had at a game or right. game you've watched in person. All of that's great. But go back to late July, early August. Mm-hmm. It was not here in Cincinnati. Nationally, the Bengals are the Super Bowl favorite in the AFC. Yeah. And what's made it even more frustrating, who's the powerhouse right now in the AFC? Comes out of your own division. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not the Chiefs. It's not the Bills. It's right here in your own backyard in the AFC North. And it's the Browns, mm-hmm. who are extremely dangerous. And that... To be the odd man out. Pittsburgh, you know, can win and make it into the playoffs. Right. To be the odd man out of the North when you were the favorite for a Super Bowl, that's that's what regardless of what happened, that's demoralizing. Other teams have won with backup quarterbacks this year. Mm-hmm. Mentioned that there show me a team in the AFC that wants to play the Browns right now. Right. It's a backup quarterback right. with a backup running back, with a backup offensive line that is still finding ways to win football games. Yeah, you know, <laughs> They were five and three, eight games in mm-hmm. with a healthy Burrow. They lose at home to Houston, right? But then they go to Baltimore, and that was after beating San Francisco. Yeah, and we looked at that Houston game, and I think that's when we all went, "God, you know what? Defensively, yeah. this isn't last year's team." Okay, but still, you have Joe. Go to Baltimore, win that one, and then the season takes off. If they would have done that, they would be 6-4, and four, assuming Joe is healthy for the rest mm-hmm. of the season. 
they're making the playoffs. Yeah. Even if they lose that game and Burrow comes away from it unscathed, there's a puncher's chance they make the playoffs. And if they get in with Joe, who wants to play him? Right. So is it a success? No. But the biggest reason it's not a success is kind of out of their control. Yeah. Right? I mean, should they have maybe still made the postseason? We can debate that. Um there are going but, to be teams but in they the postseason. Were, but they were the minute we saw the minute Joe Burrow went down in Baltimore on the 16th of November, they ceased becoming championship contenders. Mm-hmm. That was it. So from that point forward, you had to recalibrate what you were going to use to determine whether or not it was a successful season. If they would have made the playoffs, I would have thought successful. Agreed. Because there are teams in the playoffs that are going to make the playoffs that also have backups that are not as talented. Right. That's the frustrating so part. I, like I, I, judging it to me is all right, based on what were your expect, my expectations prior to the season was they're in the mix of teams that can win the whole thing. Yeah, legitimate. When, when Joe got hurt, they ceased being in that mix. Yeah. Now, the second half of the season had some, some high points and some fun moments. Can it's I get like, that upset that they went 3-3 three and three in games that mattered with Jake Browning as the quarterback? Like the Texans' loss at home, frustrating. Yeah. Right? The... Steelers loss two weeks ago. I think because, because say what you want about the Chiefs game, the conversation today is still different if they just take care of business against a team that's down three safeties, a middle linebacker, and on their third-string quarterback. Mm-hmm. Instead, they got ran out of the place. I think the thing that, for me, was maybe most sobering about this year was they had three games this season they lost by three touchdowns or more. Yeah. And Joe played in two of them. Yeah. You know, I, I think what you would have thought never would be the case with Burrow at quarterback. You're never going to get blown out. Say what you want about the first game. Okay, well, he wasn't himself. The team was non-competitive. Right. They were awful that day. So in, 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 in games in which you had Joe, I mean, they go to Tennessee and get destroyed. 27-3. to 3 Right. To a Titans team that is 5-11. They're not good at all. Right. So, you know, to me, that's emblematic of a team that top to bottom is just not that good. And and that's to me the big takeaway was this team is positioned to go to the playoffs if Joe is healthy, but the team as a whole was not quite as good as we made it out to be in August. Does that make sense? So is that more on? Is that more a indictment on those that have evaluated the team, or is that an indictment on the guy that's leading the team? It's an indictment. It's mainly an indictment to me on the people that have put together the team. Mm-hmm. That's fair. Absolutely. Now, it also is, I think this offseason, and I was probably guilty of it as well, of downplaying the losses. Downplaying, losing Bates, Bell, Hayden Hurst, players of that magnitude. Samaj P. Ryan. Samaj P. Ryan, no question. And also downplaying the fact that in the draft, they didn't address what many of us thought was one of their bigger needs. Right with an upper echelon player. The fact that the running back situation, they stuck with a guy who's probably past his prime in, yeah. in Joe Mixon. Some of this stuff maybe we should have been more open to seeing. You, you can't just plug in any old tight end. Yeah. You can't just plug in any old safety. Now, But I feel you, like what they've lost, though, is, that, is the trust. Because what did we all do last year? We sat there when they didn't take right. Laporte, and we said, well... Now look at the depth on the defensive line, mm-hmm. and look at what they have coming off the edge. And Irv's like, so based on back-to-back AFC championship games, 
they build up a little of that trust to say, okay, no doubt. Let's see what happens now. I'm not as interested in hearing about that. Yeah. Now give me the guy that's going to impact the team and help the most, which we both thought would have been a tight end in the draft. You know, we yes, we, we there's not a position we talked about more. And even if it wasn't going to be a first rounder, the quality of the class. You and I were texting each other on Saturday the draft when Josh Wiley was there. Yeah. They could have taken him, and you know, not that he would have had a huge impact, but I think we I think we made the Bengals defense out to be so good that you could yeah. lose two key pieces and plug in a rookie and a guy from another team and be okay. And I think we have, to a degree, inflated Joe Burrow to the extent that it doesn't matter who the tight end is, mm-hmm. and it doesn't matter who the lead running back is. And Which he, might be the case if the OC is elite. Which he's not. He's not. So one of the things has to change. Either an OC that is elite needs to be the guy, or the personnel needs to be better around Burrow. Yeah. Yeah. So... I, the, the team just wasn't as good as we thought. Yeah. And and now again, if you have a healthy Joe for 17 games, maybe he elevates them, and they win 11 games, and they're in the playoffs, and you don't want to play them, and they go on the road and win playoff games, or maybe they beat Baltimore and catch them and win the AFC North. Yeah. But the team as a whole did not prove to be as good. We talked about at the beginning of the year how this was their best chance because of the quality of the roster. Half of that was defense. Mm-hmm. This defense was not good this year. Look at all the big chunk plays. Yep. We started talking about why can't they stop anybody on the ground in the first two weeks. That was a the theme up to and including Sunday night. The team just, just wasn't as good. And so now as a result, we did this exercise an hour ago. All of the questions that have suddenly bubbled to the surface about how this is going to look next year are dramatically louder and larger in volume than they were a year ago. Yeah, I feel like everything that is going to happen between now and next year now gets magnified. Right. Because, again, you lose some of the equity that's been built up. Say what you want, but I thought down the stretch, I mean, we we talked about it in Florence, the comments after the the first Pittsburgh game were laughable. Mm -hmm. You know, that's life against the Steelers. Mm -hmm. That's a loser mentality. It is. That is a, well, they're just going to impose their will. We can't do anything about it. The conversation after Sunday of, you know what, you know, I'm, I'm calling the plays. I don't have time to see who's out there on the field. Like that stuff, yeah. that, there's no excuse for that. Yeah. And if it's too much, then you, you need someone else calling the plays. But something needs to be done between now and the start of the next season to, to give a jolt or some added confidence, whether that is building the weapons better around Joe Burrow or giving him a better weapon as an offensive coordinator. One of the two has to happen. Hey, it's Mo Egger. The college basketball season is heating up, and there's no better place to watch every game than Long Neck Sports Grill. There are 4K TVs all over the place at each Long Neck's location, and at Long Neck's, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And I say this often, if you haven't tried Long Neck's Wings, what are you waiting for? No matter who your team is, you'll be able to watch them at Long Neck's. Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Long Neck Sports Grill. This college basketball season, stay late, come often. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
Yeah, and we've already talked about potentially losing T. Higgins, potentially losing Tyler Boyd, potentially losing Joe Mixon. Those are three subtractions. So what are you going to do to add to Joe Burrow, or who are you going to give Joe Burrow that's going to utilize Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase's greatness from a play-calling standpoint? Yeah, and, like, you're far more qualified to talk about play-calling than I am. And so folks are going to hear that, and it's going to sound like gratuitous bashing of Zach because they lost a football game. And I, I go out of my way to remind people, this, this is a conversation you and I have been having since 2020. Yeah. Right. Since Joe Burrow's rookie season, since 2020. So what, what you would like to think is that the coaching staff and the front office and, hell, maybe even the starting quarterback, that they put their heads together this offseason and just examine, are there ways we could do things better? Are there mm-hmm. ways we could do things more effectively and efficiently? And that could involve taking some of the, the, the concepts they use with Jake Browning and apply them to Joe Burrow playing quarterback but it also can involve perhaps somebody else calling the plays on game day. Correct. And I don't know I don't know why we just automatically dismiss that as a thing. Because to me, if, if I'm Zach Taylor and I'm a you know a a coach who I think is is pretty firmly entrenched in his current position, I I want to maximize what we can do as a staff and we can do as a team. This team's offensive ceiling has been reasonably low relative to the talent they have ridiculously low and so how do you not examine the overall way in which we function offensively that has to include who's calling the plays you can't consistently say well joe burrow is a top three quarterback and jamar chase is a top five wide receiver and they'll be paid that way you can't say you you own both of those positions and you continuously underachieve offensively Mm -hmm. those things don't match so are we overrating Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase? I don't think so. So what's the other side of that? Putting them in a, possession, a position to succeed. And I don't think they've been in that position. I think so much has been relied on Joe Burrow being great, Jamar Chase being great, effort. Jamar's down there somewhere. That type of mentality, which is fun when you're winning football games, but when push comes to shove and you need to go get points and you can't, it, it's not funny. It's an issue, and the Bengals have to address it this offseason, either with personnel or with coaching. It is uh, 21 minutes after uh, 5 o'clock. He's Tony Pike. I'm Mo Egger. We're at Twin Peaks in Westchester. It's the Tony and Mo Football Show on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. It is 26 after 5 ESPN 1530 broadcasting today from the Twin Peaks in Westchester on ESPN 1530, the Tony and Mo Football Show on a Tuesday. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year. Uh, right now, if the season ended today, the Bengals would have the 16th overall pick okay. in the 2024 NFL draft. Obviously, that can move based on what happens on Sunday when the Bengals host the Cleveland Browns. Um, I, I, I looked this up on NFL.com today because I, frankly, off the top of my head, did not know what, uh, where they would pick in the first round if the draft were held today. And they had a page where you could click on it and look, and it listed every team's biggest needs. Mm. Oh, I hate this time of the year. Now, if we've done this in years past, the last couple of years, there haven't been that many position groups listed for the Bengals. And some of these needs, I'm sure, will be addressed via free agency. 
But just to illustrate how many questions this team is now starting to deal with as the offseason approaches, they list under biggest needs. And by the way, biggest isn't only. Biggest needs. Tackle. Okay. Wide receiver. Yeah. Defensive tackle. Tight end. Corner. Oh, so just everything. Now, you could add to it running back. Yeah. I mean, you could be talked into everything. You could you could add left guard, depending on how you feel about Cordell Volson. You, you could add to it edge rusher. Hell, you might add to it safety depth. Biggest it, need. So if I said to you, the draft is going to be today, and we're doing the draft before free agency. Yeah. I understand you have not studied the, yeah. the class itself. Yep. Yeah. What position group would you want them to address with the 16th pick? Joe Burrow weapon, whether that's a tight end or receiver, best one available. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that based on what I just saw this year, because we, t- we talked a lot of, you know, if, if this team, you mentioned when Burrow went down, if this team is as good as we thought they were, mm-hmm. they can still win and compete without Joe Burrow. Well, they're not going to the playoffs without Burrow. So... I know those other positions are important. Getting him more weapons is important then. Mm-hmm. If I'm going to lose T. Higgins, if I'm going to lose Tyler Boyd, whatever receiver or tight end is on the top of that list is what I'm taking. Yeah. saw a mock draft today that had him taking, uh, was it Ibuka Buka mm-hmm. from Ohio State? Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. He's never been the number one option on his own team. Right. He's played with some really good receivers. <laughs> I was going to say, I, I think that's more of a statement about what they've had. And, you know, there was that report that, you know, on, during their loss Sunday night that Justin Jefferson was heard on the sidelines saying, I'm out of here. Right. No chance I'm coming back. Mm-hmm. You know, if Justin Jefferson's here in free agency, right. I'll change that pick. Are they going to get Justin Jefferson and Chris Jones? Well, I mean, Chris <laughs> Jones, is already that's already been announced, hasn't it? <laughs> I thought today it was Frankie Montas and Chris Jones right. have been announced. <laughs> Package deal. But, man. Um, I think the interesting guy and what they do with him is going to dramatically change how the rest of the offseason plays out is, is Jonah Williams. Yeah. Because. Key, key part of protecting Burrow. Yeah. So he was good this year, not great. He's going to have suitors. If you want to keep him. Uh, you know, you're probably going to have to to, to pay a, a, a lot more money than is actually reflective of how good he is. Uh, Are we in agreement? If, if you let him go, what do you got that's better? Right. Are we in agreement that we're both drafting offense in the first round? Yes. So which, which at this point, then they'll take a corner. <laughs> Just mark that up for the, the draft show. I am looking forward to... A big part of the offseason now now is we get a draft show, we get a schedule release party. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, we really get to celebrate 365 days of football. Well, and we're, we're sort of getting, if you think of recent draft shows, they've either drafted way at the beginning or way at the end. Right. You know, right now they're going to be in the middle. drafting smack dab in the middle, which, yeah. which will make it, I think, really interesting. First of all, I mean, you know, you, you have a chance to, I guess, move up to 14, 13, somewhere in that range. Yeah. With a team that has Joe Burrow, that's a, that's a luxury. That's something you don't often have. So lose this week. I don't, you know, sure. Well, okay. I mean, I, I, 0-6, losing record. You know, Mike Tomlin's never had a losing record. <laughs> well, Zach Taylor has. I don't expect them to try to lose. I, I just, it doesn't matter. Where on if the... They, if they win the game, are you going to feel like, you know what, no, they're, you're right. No. Where on the hierarchy 
Well, because then the people are going to creep back up that wanted them to tank when Burrow got hurt. Uh-huh. Could have had, you know, you could have had a number seven overall. I am seven. going to the game on uh, on Sunday. Okay. Sundays, yeah. I'm going to the game on Sunday. I'm not going to actively root for them to lose like I did in 2019 when they played the Dolphins. Yeah, Giovanni and, Bernard. <laughs> that's right. I'm not going to do that. But am I going to be heartbroken if they do lose? Of right. course not. Not as much as I was the last two weekends when no, they lost. N- not at all. Um, what what part? Where on the hierarchy of the off season from the schedule release standpoint? Are you going to be excited to see when we get to take that trip to Charlotte, North Carolina? And will that be the game where the statue is unveiled? Are you actually going to go? Probably. Okay. Can I go with you so I can take advantage of you getting the, the former Panther yeah, treatment? Yeah. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in one of the newsletters, Panthers Legends. <laughs> I think they just give any former player that. Well, who's the owner of the Panthers going to be by then? That's a great Are question. Are we going to hang out with your guy tossing drinks on people, <laughs> David Tepper? Listen. If that was me that the drink got hit on, I'm like jolting because of the – I, I got a neck problem. I probably slipped on ice. If that is a player that did that, oh my gosh. does the punishment look like – And you know what's going to happen? It's going to be like a fine. The fans should get the money. Of course. 100%. I mean, I once – I was at a game once where a piece of equipment setting up for the pregame almost hit a fan at the big house. Imagine if that would happen in today's that world. That would be bad. Yeah. That would be bad. I mean, that was I, don't, tough. I don't even remember who was, I don't know who, who did it. I just remember seeing it fall, but yeah, and, the and dangerous thankfully, time. Thankfully, nobody was hurt, right. to the best of my knowledge. But can you imagine? Would be bad. Man. Would, would, be, would be rough. But I do think what the offseason, how it unfolds, hinges on what do they do with Jonah. Because yeah. if, if, if he goes, you have to replace your starting right tackle. Which is a huge thing in the, in the offseason with, of the NFL. With what? With, a, with, with a, the, your first-round draft choice? Right. With a free agent? And it's been another and you just boatload paid, of dough on a, on a right tackle? And you just paid top five money because you brought Orlando Brown in. Right. Are we going to draft and develop one? Because so that's worked out really is, well. If you say we're, we're moving on from Jonah Williams, is your starting right tackle next season, week one, better than Jonah Williams? Ooh. My guess is the answer is no. Guess, At the same time, I could understand balking at giving Jonah the kind of coin that he's going to have a chance to go get. I, guess, I think that's one of the most fascinating decisions of the offseason. I guess what's even going to be crazier when you start to look at this offseason, like, from a developmental standpoint, what have they done on the O line? I don't know. Because Harris, Kappa, uh huh, free Orlando agents, Brown, free all signings. Mm-hmm. You and I both said earlier. I don't know what Cordell Volson is. I don't know. And again, you you put it in the terms. If he was released, our team's lining up to get him. Which the answer is no. Cordell Volson's. So Jonah would really be the only homegrown talent that has gone through the system here. Well, are you given like let's say Jonah walks. We running it back oh, with Jackson Carmen because because if we're if we're doing this in terms of like baseball, I don't think the farm system is stocked of offensive linemen that are being developed right well, now. Well, that I mean to a degree that was the unfortunate part of having all those guys be healthy. Like none yeah. of them got a chance to play. Correct. <laughs> and now it's another unknown, and we can't deal with another unknown. Are we trying Deontay Smith there. Like I, I know the I know the line was better. Uh huh. But how many times this year? And we talked about this before it happened. Would Burrow make a throw, and you would kind of hold your breath watching the game until the camera flashed back to Burrow mm-hmm. because of the hits he was taking? Like, it wasn't – it was better. It, it was wasn't better. crisp. It wasn't great. Look, it they, wasn't – in my mind, it wasn't – you know, if I'm paying in the top five of the NFL 
that's the group I got. It wasn't what I envisioned with that. So in the home game against the Steelers, when they all but admitted we can't run the ball, to me that was an indictment against your offensive line. Correct. And at the end of the game on Sunday, when now you got to have it and the other team can pin its ears back, you're down by eight points, they yep. were helpless. Not even a chance. Against Kansas City's pass rush. So for the third consecutive year, a season ends in large part because of the inability to get it done up front on the offensive line. And that's with a line this year that was dramatically better than the one two years ago, and I Correct. think at least a little bit better than the one they had last year. Is that more of an indictment on really how bad it was or how yeah, this, a little underwhelming this one line was? The line was okay. Right. It was fine-ish. Like on an individual basis. For years, though, we said finish would be great. But if you that's let, how low it was. It was but, like just be average, right? But if you let Jonah Williams walk, and now you need a starting right tackle, and you go, okay, well, you you, you got to keep Joe upright. Yeah, you got to get him weapons, but you got to keep Joe upright. To me, that's not eh, put Jackson Carmen out there, eh, put Deontay Smith out there. Suddenly, you need a better a better player than any of those guys who might not be as good as Jonah Williams. And for what it's worth, and I know there's different systems. Jonah Williams' overall grade right now this year is 59 for pro football folks. Right. 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 I mean, average. Right. To below but average. But NFL line play stinks so bad, he's going to get paid. Correct. Someone will bring him in. And so are you going to get a player who week one is better than Jonah Williams? You might say, well, you should be able to, but will you? Well, oh. Brown Jr. was a 64 for what it's worth. Right. Like, these guys are okay. Right. But you're, right. not, you're not seeing, like, 70s, 80s in those players. And then next year, it, again, you had the same starting five offensive linemen for every game this season. Yep. We'll, we'll see if, if all five of those guys play on Sunday. But every game this season, that means next year the overwhelming likelihood is yep. you have injuries. So then the depth gets tested. Are you going to be deep enough next year to uh, uh, account for that? Yeah. For what it's worth, Jesse Bates was a 91. Mm. If you're looking at grades. So yeah. did they get it wrong with him? Yes. They got it wrong. Absolutely. They got it wrong. They, they, they split the money and gave it to the likes of Irv Smith and Jermaine Pratt. Their evaluation you know of Jesse I mean? going back two years ago was he is not one of the very, very, very best off uh, safeties in the league. Yeah. He's good but not great. And right now he's the best in the league. Right. Jesse wanted to be the highest paid safety in the sport. We're not going to pay him because we don't think he is the best safety in the sport this year he was. Yep. Good for Jesse. Correct. The Bengals got it wrong. Yep. It is uh, 22 away from uh, 6 o'clock. We're at the uh, Twin Peaks in Westchester. Tony and Mo football show till 6 on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. 16 away from uh, 6. This is ESPN 1530. It's the Tony and Mo football show. We are broadcasting from Twin Peaks in Westchester. We're going to be at the uh, Florence location for the season finale on Monday, day after the Battle of Ohio Bengals v. Browns. At the venue formerly known as Paul Brown Stadium. Between now and then, mm-hmm. will Harbaugh or anyone from Michigan staff reach out to Mike Tressel <laughs> to see what went into him slowing Michael Penix Jr. down just a few years ago when the Bearcats went to Indiana and dominated Michael Penix? 2021, yeah. Michael Penix was in Indiana. Three Bearcats, interceptions. 38-24. Maybe not. You I'll don't think you, he would? No. I, you know, I, I will say this who I think should be, like, at the tip of every athletic director's tongue if they're looking for a football coach, is Jesse Minner. Yeah. He's been great. Mm-hmm. I mean, what that defense did to Alabama's front yeah. in the first half and the pressure that they seemingly were able to generate, 
It, it, you don't see many teams doing that to Alabama. Oh. That was impressive. One of the more entertaining bowl games, Tony, took place yesterday. Oh. The ReliaQuest Bowl. Yeah. LSU versus Wisconsin. Oh. Brian Kelly's team wins a bowl game. The Tigers finish 10-3. and They beat Luke Fickle. Mm. Who were most Bearcat fans rooting for? That's a good question. Now, I was actually rooting for LSU. I bet, I bet on the over, which was 56 and a half. Yeah. I won. I bet on Wisconsin plus nine. I won. So my rooting interest was financial. Do you know when I knew that LSU won? When Luke Fickle punted from the 38-yard line in the fourth quarter. I mean, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Be, it's a bowl game. If there's any a time to buck the trend and be aggressive, it's a bowl game which mean nothing anymore, uh-huh. you punt it from the 38? More questionable decision in a ball game for Luke Fickle. Oh, that, no. Oh, no. Or was it four, fourth and two yeah. against Georgia? Yeah. And have Dez throw downfield? That. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> or never have Dez run it against Alabama. Think of that, though. We're, we're years removed from toe-to-toe with Georgia uh-huh. and then a college football playoff uh-huh. appearance yeah. to now – a year removed of the Fenway Bowl, which was fun. Both teams on the same sideline. Right. And no bowl game this year. Bowl game, the Fenway Bowl game this year looked beyond miserable. Miserable. <laughs> miserable. With Boston College at home. So bad. Playing in the Fenway Bowl. So bad. Um, I thought the losing coach should have had to get like a UC tattoo or something. <laughs> like Fickle should have to have a Bearcat tattoo. Did you, did you, Do you see- think they got together and talked about that? Their time at UC? Time at UC. Probably. Did you see they they had like a, a, a couple of days before, like a media availability? And it's Fickle and it's Kelly. And like the reporters there are lobbing like softballs at Yeah. It. And so it was, you know, if anybody could play you in a movie, who would it be? And Fickle's like, well, a lot of people say Adam Sandler looks like me, so I'd have to say him. And Brian Kelly says, and I'm paraphrasing him here, but basically says, you know, I don't have time for movies. <laughs> He's in the office. You don't have you time. Know this. You don't have time for movies. I don't, I'm, I'm surprised Fickle answered that. Coaches don't have time to watch movies. Well, like if Fickle humored the guy, and I'm sure he's heard he looks like Adam Sandler. He's also yeah. got a thousand kids, so probably when he is home, there are movies on. Right. I don't have time for movies. I did reminisce a little bit seeing that team jacket. Oh, on the, the TEAM yeah, on the back sideline, man. I was the only thing I liked about like, Luke, is that still a Bearcat thing. The only thing I liked about Luke Fickle leaving is it was now okay to make fun of that. Yeah, because for a stretch of time, if you would have no, made fun no, of that, no, 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 now it's yeah. quite, quite now easy. All bets are off. To, together, it's everybody achieves more. Yeah, which was, he came up with. Yeah, I was because I was watching it with my wife, and she's like, "What is that?" I go, "Well, it's yeah. together, everybody achieves more." And she's like, "Said he came up with that at his time at Ohio State." That's a motto that Ryan Day lives by. Ryan Day, I asked this when we did our little handoff with Austin. So Ryan Day, Ohio State, they lose to Missouri. He is taking a beating. And yeah. and I think a lot of the criticism is deserved. But I wonder, let's say they had played well in that game and he gets a new quarterback up to speed and they figure out a way to beat a top 10 Missouri team in a bowl game with new guys on offense and a handful of new guys on defense. Would Ryan Day been given credit for doing so? No, not as much, because it was always a bowl game and it didn't mean anything. So I think some of the criticism is over the top, because I don't think he had a chance to be credited yeah. with anything had the exact opposite guess, turnout been the case on Friday. I guess the only question I had is they have been adamant that they're not going into the portal at quarterback. Why? How, 
at Ohio State when Travion Henderson is playing, when Agbuka is playing, mm-hmm. and you've got five stars all over. Three points. How do you score three points? I don't get it. Just unbelievable. He'll survive this offseason? Yes. I don't know that he survives next. He'll get Michigan in his building next year. Mm-hmm. Who will the coach of the Wolverines be? Brian Kelly. <laughs> you heard that. I mean, he's interested. He is interested, yeah. He's, he's interested. Uh-huh. Could you imagine BK goes to Michigan, goes in and stomps Ohio State, and gets a pass from a lot of the people that probably hate him in Ohio? Because <laughs> now he's doing something to give back. Uh-huh. And then we'll... He I mean, have, that program's taking on water. They got guys in the portal every day. They lost another five-star. Right. Things are not good at Ohio State right now. He can junk that Cajun accent he tried. Oh, yeah. He can be back to just him. <laughs> be back to him. He's had success in the state of Michigan before. Right. He's recruited Ohio before. Well, but really, losing the accent, I think, is the biggest reason he wants out. Right. That and Mike Dembrock couldn't wait to get out of there either. And, and having to coach against uh, Kirby Smart and Nick Saban? Yeah. I mean, can you imagine... You know, sinking your teeth in to what that big – well, I mean, Big Ten is well represented in the playoff. No doubt about it. Washington, are they claiming a Big Ten already? Uh, there were folks on social media last night. Because now, had, Ohio, had, had Michigan not done that, the Big Ten is being drugged today. Sure. They've been awful in bowl season. No doubt. And had Texas won, you'd be hearing about how, well, the SEC really does have a team because Texas has kind of gone, right. or, or already got one foot in the SEC. Uh. Jim Harbaugh going to coach the Chargers? Is that the I, deal? I feel like I feel like it's the Raiders if he does. Can we acknowledge he's a good coach? I I have no problem acknowledging. He's taking that. a team to the Super Bowl. Guy, every one of his guys would, I mean, play their heart out for him. He won at Stanford. He won at San Diego. I mean, he's he, won at Michigan. He had the players and coaches on the team delivering eulogies. <laughs> After they won, when he was suspended, he didn't pass. I was like, "Did he die?" How about Connor Stallion showing up at the game? Oh, yesterday, just icing on the cake. Just fantastic. Imagine every Ohio State fan there. If they win, is the title tainted? No, you don't think it is. No, I don't. What'd you make of the uh, the folks on Twitter that were wearing the Ohio State fan rooting for Alabama shirt? Tough one. That's a bad look. I get it. Just wear an Ohio State shirt. Everyone gets it. Yeah. I don't know. A sickness, man. Would you ever? Would you do that? No. UC would, fan rooting for I just wear my UCF. UC I just wear my UC stuff. Right. Yeah, I wouldn't have to get. Well, the... this year you're probably getting ready to wear your Dayton stuff. Uh, yeah, for the rest of the season, sure. They're not playing the Bearcats anymore. What if they both play at the same time? My rooting is well established. All right. It on... doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't differentiate based on a team being good or not no. or winning more. No. I'm, right. I'm not like our guy Austin who we asked before, like, oh, did you watch that Ohio State game on Friday? Did you watch them in their bowl game? Nah. He didn't watch. No. Off the bandwagon. NKU was on. Yeah, I'm sure he was grinding that tape. Yeah. All right, we have to go. Thanks, Darren. Uh, our thanks to uh, Rodney Simpson for producing uh, on site. Our thanks to the staff here at Twin Peaks for taking such great care of us. Of course, Taryn Bland producing back in Kenwood. T. Bland. And uh, Megan Heckler, yep, back there hanging on every She's word. She's still here. She's on her phone. Um, Luke Combs tickets. Luke Combs tickets. you got seven minutes is, still to sign up for the, Luke Combs tickets. Is the tickets. big giveaway next week for all the Luke Combs tickets? Great question. All right. Well, a, lot of, a lot of first-timers here tonight. Oh, boy. Sign up for Luke Combs tickets. We'll see you at uh, Twin Peaks and Florence on Monday. Have a great night. 
This has been the Tony and Mo Football Show on ESPN 1530 Cincinnati Sports Station. That wasn't a bangle growling. It was your. Hey, it's Mo Egger. If you're a college basketball fan, you're going to love Long Neck Sports Grill. There are three locations in Northern Kentucky, Wilder, Hebron, and Richwood. Each one of them has 4K TVs all over the place. And at Long Necks, the sound is on for every big game. Plus, no place has a better beer selection. And the menu at Long Necks is awesome, but you've got to try their wings. No matter who your team is, you'll find them at Long Necks. This college basketball season, swing by Long Neck Sports Grill. Stay late. Come often.